Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Uh, Mike, uh, some different lines and, and pairings today. Uh, can I specifically ask about Riley and, and Matthew? Um, if you go that direction moving forward in a game, um, what are the hopes or, I guess, motivations for deploying him in that fashion? Well, we're, you know, we're trying to find line combinations that give us a chance to win. And uh, what we've had here for a while uh, hasn't produced with any level of consistency, not nearly the, the consistency that, that that's going to give us a chance to win consistently. So, we're going to affect some change here and see if we can't put some combinations together that can help us there. Getting desperate. That's where the Penguins are right now. It's desperation time. And it's Mike Sullivan looking at this team the way the rest of us are, and it's starting to disappear. That's the bottom line here. The, 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 the season is starting to slip away. And that's the really the, the, the truth of the matter. Look at the standings. Detroit wins again. Right now, the Penguins, and this might be their best shot, are 10 points behind the Flyers for third in the Metro. That might be their best way to get in, is to avoid the wild card and overtake the Flyers. But they're 10 points behind. Yeah, they have four games in hand. But even if they won all four, that's eight points. My math calculations, Fort Myers, tell me they'd still be two points out. That's the thing about games in hand. You got to win them. You can't just assume they're going to be won, especially when you have won only 24 of your first 52 games or 50 whatever. Yeah, 52 games. Plus, to catch the Flyers, you have three teams in your division that are ahead of you trying to catch the Flyers. The Capitals, Islanders, and Devils. The Penguins are nine points out of the second wild card and 10 points out of third with teams in front of them in both situations. This is bleak. This is grim. I don't mean to start off with a bummer, but it's like, you know, now that football season's over, we all take a, a clear. Look at hockey. Hockey takes the spotlight around here. And it is very ugly. How are you today, Fort? Okay? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. How about you? I'm doing well today. Good. I've lost 12 pounds over the last two weeks. People are telling me my face is thinner. Doesn't mean it's not still fat. Just means it's thinner. I don't think you have a fat face. You ever read the Stephen King book, Thinner? No. 
They made that into a movie, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. It's about a guy who, no matter what he does, he's cursed after a court case, and then he can't stop losing weight no matter what he eats. I hope nobody cursed you. Because he was, well, I think Ron did on his way out. I think he did. Cursed me forever. It's Off the Top, brought to you by J.P. Roofing and Siding. We have the great Jonathan Bomboli. Now that Ron is gone, uh, all the people that he didn't like I can have on the air. That's one freeing thing, isn't it, uh, Fort? Yeah, we can get whoever we want now. No restrictions. Jay Caulfield, Ron loves him. At noon, Jason Mackey at one to talk pirates. There's a lot of stories going on down there. Uh, are you liking Fort as your new nickname? It's okay. Could be worse. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sensing you don't like it much. Now, that was Gentilly's doing? He suggested it, yeah, in honor of Ron, since Ron is living in Fort yes, Myers. Plus, yeah. Sean, don't call me Seth Myers, became a little bit cumbersome every time. That was sort of the funny part when it started, but then it became too much. It's a mouthful. It's too yeah. much. Maybe, I mean, you can still alternate. You don't You don't want to be repetitive. Sure. So, well, know. I did with Folsey all the time. He was Nini. He was the ski instructor. Yeah, it was always NASA evolving. Yeah. yeah. What are your problems with Fort? Uh, I wouldn't say there's problems with it. It's just, um, I I think the uh, Sean Don't Call Me Seth also made sense because then people confused me with the celebrity. So that wasn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that's Now true. people are going to confuse me with the fort. Now, with the last two producers in here, and I don't know who the next producer is or if we're just going to keep going with the uh, the old Walt Harris swinging gate here, people in and out. We could. Uh, Folsey didn't like Folsey at first, was very against it, and yet. By the end, people at his church were calling him Folsey. Horse, Joe Cop, he kind of liked that nickname, I think. And he just became, well, he became a horse yes. out in public. Have you had people say to you, Sean, don't call me Seth Myers, or is that just too yeah, much? Yeah, so I, I got that a lot. But I, I don't know if I remember telling you this or not. The first day that I produced your show, we had Seth Myers on. So that's where it originated from. And I actually told Seth for months and months, or maybe even years prior, people were accidentally calling me Seth in emails, which it literally says Sean Myers when I send an email. And they're like, thanks, Seth. <laughs> and so I was like, "What? what's going on here? So I told them people constantly confuse me with you. Right. So it made a lot of sense. Although I went down to my aunt and uncle's uh, over the weekend for some birthday festivities. Yes. And they called me Fort. So it's working with them, apparently. That has caught on with them. So they, they like the name Fort. So do I, and I think it's going to catch on, and I would urge you to be patient with it. I don't want Diana to be uh, tweeting me again. She was very angry that I was uh, constantly calling Austin Bechtold uh, Austin P and then Mr. P. Yeah, she prefers city limits. I think she likes city limits, and I heard it yesterday. uh, Donnie Football and City Limits did a show together, and City Limits is a great name. It really is. Yeah, Donnie used that, right? Yeah, he did. He used it with impunity. Yeah, it was wonderful. City limits. I really enjoyed it. All right, we're off on a voyage today, Fort. Here we go. And, man, you read this quote from Mike Sullivan. And it feels like the point of no return tonight with with the Islanders in town. I mean, it's time to win. It's time to win a bunch they're disappearing. Second straight year could be without the playoffs. And when you see a quote like that, uh, what we've had here for a while hasn't produced with any level of consistency. 
not nearly the consistency that's going to give us a chance to win consistently. A lot of consistencies and consistencies in there. So we're going to affect some change here and see if we can put some combinations together that help us get it. Well, I would suggest to Sully um, a couple different things. Not that I'm a hockey coach, but I want you to hear this other quote, which was, and, and to me, that's a very telling quote right there. What he's telling the world is what we've done, what I've done isn't working. So we're making major changes here. Ripping Malkin off the power play is a good move, and he's done it before, but now he's doing it again, and I got a feeling this one's going to be for a while. But what I really think needs to happen with these Penguins is in this next quote. It's in this next quote by Sully, and it has to do with Eric Carlson, who's been a disappointment. I'm not sure through his own fault he's been a disappointment. And he has cryptically said a couple different things this season that have opened my eyes. The first one was the Josh Yoey quote about, I have my own theories on why the power play doesn't work. My little thought bubble for that would be 71's not that good anymore, but I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Whatever it was, it was awfully cryptic. And maybe it had something to do with coaching too. Maybe we need a coaching change on our with our power play. Maybe that's what Eric Carlson meant. I don't know. But it was very cryptic. And then the other day, when they blew the one nothing lead in the third period, he essentially said, you know, we stopped playing. We need to keep playing. Need to keep, and I'm putting words in his mouth here, force offense or at least try to score when we have a one nothing lead. I get the sense that this is a guy who's completely stifled here and doesn't fit here. And he should. But let's hear Sully because this was a very telling quote on Carlson. Eric Carlson's now a point away from 800 in the NHL. Is there any different perspective you've gained on his game having coached him for this season as opposed to coaching against him all those previous years? Um, well, he's a, obviously he's an elite player. He's a really talented He's a really talented guy. He's a guy that drives a lot of offense, both 5-on-5 five five and on the power play. That's what he's done in his body of work in the league. And um, and that's what he's done for us. You know, I, I, I still think there's another level to Carl that we're trying to unlock here. Um, I think it's an important element of us having success moving forward. But, it's, you know, what you do see when you watch him every day is, you know, you gain more of an appreciation for how talented and how gifted he really is. Unlocking Eric Carlson. That's a whopper right there. He's right. Carlson has not been unlocked here. And the guy who's most responsible for that is the guy you just heard talking. And I, I think it's time to let this guy play. I think it's time to let him be Troy Polamalu back there and have one of the forwards. You know, Bob Airy used to be the guy that sort of watched out for Paul Coffey. You know what I mean? Made sure somebody was back. Ryan Clark was that guy for Palomalu. If you're going to acquire Eric Carlson, let him go. Your advantage over a lot of other teams in the NHL is you have not one but two elite offensive defensemen. You saw that goal that Latang scored the other day against Chicago. So unlock these guys. Sully makes it sound like a like a physics problem here. Like like the unsolvable physics problem. Let him go. He looks to me like a guy who's just who doesn't know quite 
when he can just be free and play. And what I don't see from this team that I actually see from other teams with less talented defense units is guys jumping into the play all the time. Guys moving down the wall with the puck. You know, it's one thing to pinch, but that's without the puck. How about Latang and especially Carlson having the freedom to go down the wall themselves to create some chaos, to jump into plays? How about this guy going end to end? You can tell when he's coming out of his own zone and he's, a, he's an elite um, trigger man, an elite passer. He is. I'd like to see him just go. Lug it. Let's go here. The ironic thing, if you want to call it irony, that's happened with Sullivan is they've become a good defensive team. Last I checked, they were top five, top six, something like that. They they did that a couple years ago under Sully, and it amounted to nothing. They haven't ranked that highly defensively since, like, the Kevin Constantine years. But what does it add up to? That's not who they are. I think Sully's thinking is if we – If we batten down defensively, we're just naturally going to score. The demise of Malkin has something to do with this, of course. But so does, I think, a paranoia about odd man rushes against, an obsession with keeping the goals against down. Where is it getting you? They have eight shutouts. They're top five in the league in goals against, but they have stifled their own DNA. They're killing their own advantage. I want to just see this team open up and let's go. You want to unlock Carlson, then tell him to do whatever the hell he wants. Tell him to be Eric Carlson and we'll figure it out. This isn't working. Tell him to be Paul Amalu. Tell him to be, you know, a a creator. Give him more freedom. It used to be when Sully got here, the Penguins were in, were in full-court press mode. They were all over people. Now they look more like a, like a stationary team out there. It's more of a, it's like a zone defense instead of in your face all the time. Now, they're not as fast as they used to be. I, I get that. But they just look so passive. When, when are they ever just buzzing in the offensive zone? When do the games get a little crazy? And what's wrong with that? What's wrong with a little high-event hockey? That's supposed to be what they do. Could it get worse if they played high-event hockey and lost some games 7-6 instead of 2-1? I like their chances in 5-5 games. I do. What is the point of having this guy if you're not just going to unleash him? That's what I don't understand. Activate him. Activate Latang. I actually like P.O. Joseph up there with Latang. Activate him. That guy's been completely stifled and maybe ruined, and he's still only 24, P.O. Joseph. I think he actually has some flair, some offensive capability in his game, but he reminds me of myself in high school basketball and a whole bunch of other people I see across sports who reach the point where they're afraid to make one damn mistake, just one. You can feel, you can feel the, the, what's the word? Stifle, stifleness, stifletivity, stife, everybody stifled. What's the word, Sean? Restricted, perhaps? You can feel that they're restricted. I like P.O. Joseph and Latang together. Let them go. Let's go here. 
Wonder Twin Powers, activate. Get Latang and Carlson going. That's your advantage. I don't know that we've talked enough about Kyle Dubas either. Seems like he skated a little bit here, so to speak. And I know that people in the media love to hire and, you know, praise Dubas before he ever did a single thing here. Uh, I guess people like the work he did in Toronto. I don't know. To me, it's been the reversal here. He got the goaltending wrong there. He's gotten it right here. Rest of the roster right there. Ryan Graves here. Signed forever at $4.5 million. You know when his contract ends, Fort? 2029? Yes. After the 28-29 season. Mulsey will be 60 years old by the time this guy is out of here. What a horrible signing that was. 32-year-old Riley Smith. $10 million over two years. That's not a great one. And, and you know coming in that you're not going to get a lot of help w- from within here, the system. Guys like Vinny, I don't even know what his name is. Vinny Henestroza? Might as well be Vinny Ricicci out there. Fort. And I get that part of it. But, man, it's time. If this doesn't change right now, like with two wins this week and starting with that moving ahead on a streak, I mean, it, it, we're, down to, we're down to desperation, the most overused word in hockey. Well, they're desperate. Now, I always like to say you can't be desperate until you are. Before that, it's just faking it. Now they are. They're disappearing here. Might want to try to find a way to move Raquel. You desperately try to move Graves. And you're probably going to have to trade Gensel. You know? And maybe get him back next year then. If he really wants to play with Sid, then trade him, get an asset, like a first-round pick. A top prospect, a player, something. And let him go chase a cup. And then if he really wants to be here, sign him again in the offseason. Give him up as a rental and sign him back. Got to get creative here if you're Dubas. But the way that he's tried to rework this thing, he gets a, he gets an F so far. Right? Do we talk about that enough? $40 million over seven years, I believe, is what's been reported for Dubas. Like he was walking in here as some kind of miracle worker. He made one of the worst signings. Right now, looks like one of the worst signings in Penguins history. We talked about Hextall making a lot of those. Ryan Graves at $4.5 million through 28 29 Are you kidding me? Maybe we should be talking about that more. And Yeah, there's a lot of blame to go around. The demise of Geno is, a, is a, just a huge, huge blow to this team. If indeed that's what we're witnessing, and it sure looks like it. And then Sully. And the state of the team, the state of the team right now is very similar to what it was in some ways when Sully walked in. Sort of a just a malaise hanging over this team, a sameness. Stars underproducing need to be jump started. That's what Sully did when he got here, which makes me believe at least partly that they need a new Sully. I mean, this franchise, you look at its history, there's a long one of getting jump-started by new coaches at just the right time. 
This guy is still talking about trying to unlock his prize acquisition in Eric Carlson, and his team can't score. They, they, they don't score anymore. They've become, you know, Sully's dream in the way that they're good defensively. They become a good defensive team for the most part. At least the conventional numbers say that, but they can't score anymore. So he's changing everything for tonight. I'll get behind that, man. Try something. Demote Graves, demote Geno. Try something. Hope that this Phillips kid, whatever he is, is the next Connor Sherry or even the next Connor Sherry. Or either one I'll, I'll settle for. Something's got to change, man. But, but if I could pick one thing, it would be to unleash your advantage. Two elite offensive defensemen. One of them just a world-class offensive genius. Let him play. Let Carlson play. Set him loose. He just doesn't seem to be a free spirit here, and that's what he is. His essence is a free spirit. You got to live with it. I said it and wrote it when when they got Carlson. Everything's happy today. Let's see how the Sullivan-Carlson marriage works out. He's He's had two guys who, as brilliant as they are, in Malkin and Latang have driven him insane for long parts of his tenure here, and they brought in another one of them in Carlson, an offensive genius who will drive you nuts unless you can just let it go. It's like being a parent. I'm learning that. Just let them go. At some point, you got to let them go. I'm happy for Sully that the Penguins are a top-five defensive team in goals against average. But, man, you got to take a look at this and and change, and maybe tonight's the beginning. Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. I want to see Eric Carlson go nuts. Do whatever the hell he wants, and we'll see where it goes. I don't know if that's going to happen, Fork, but that's my take on the Penguinis. You? And you mentioned, uh, I think you said Carlson had a quote, that they were trying to win the game one nothing basically. Yeah. And so that just does not seem like a recipe for any team, but certainly not for the Penguins because a couple years ago when they brought back Latang and Malkin and then this offseason added Carlson, they kind of did that with the idea that they would be a team winning higher scoring games, right? Every, yeah, everything feels so stationary. It feels so dot, dot, dot type thing. You know, they're pylons basically in the neutral zone. They're playing back. They're trying to play safe. They're so paranoid of odd man rushes against, and then even on the power play. It's like it's like tic-tac-toe, except not in the good way. It's just dink, 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 dink. Everybody in the same spot. Everybody stationary. Nothing really happening, and everybody else losing their minds watching it. I thought they looked a little better early in the game the other day. Then Gino ruined their power play late in the second period, and Sully's had enough. So good. So let's see Carlson run that. Let's see him and Latang both lug the puck more, both both lug the puck down the boards more, too, not just, not just jumping in plays or taking it themselves down the ice, but when they have it at the point, making things happen. I remember a pretty good Stanley Cup winning goal by Latang when he did that once, remember? 
Took the puck down the left boards, around the net. Remember that? Got a pass back from Sid and won the cup. Just unleash people. Let's see some offense. Take some chances. Let's go here. Be the Penguins. 412-928-9370. You want to weigh in on the state of the Penguins. And Mike Sullivan admitting that there's that 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 Carlson has yet to be unlocked here. I thought that was a pretty astounding revelation there. He didn't have to say that. You know, we're trying to unlock him. Well, try harder, or in this case, try easier, man. Do the obvious. Let him play. Fan Hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. And the text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say, there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Jonathan Bomboli is going to join me at the top of the hour. I wonder how Gino reacts to this latest demotion. You know, the last time, I believe it was him and Latang maybe at the same time, or it was clear it was going to be maybe temporary. This feels a little bit more like singling him out rightfully. How will he react to that? Let's talk about that next. Also, some Pirates topics rearing their ugly heads and all hell broke loose in a basketball handshake line again. We'll talk about that coming up. I think Fort Myers may have some thoughts about that. In the meantime, get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any, with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. NBA back in action. Excuse me, on Thursday. Man, I'd love it if it was back in action or in action in Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh Pompeianis about five years from now. In the meantime, jump on Jonathan Kaminga. He's getting hot. You got to get some trends going, and that's one. Visit FanDuel.com slash Starkey and shoot your shot. 21-plus present in Pennsylvania. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
The Penguins have reached the point of no return. You can feel it now. And I'm sure Sully can feel it, that if this doesn't change, it might already be too late. And I think Kyle Dubas is due to address the media at some point this week, I believe. It might already be too late if Dubas has decided uh, with Fenway's blessing that he's going to scrap this season, at least in the form of trading Gensel and maybe trying to get an asset back and maybe getting rid of a couple of other guys and retooling for next year. Uh, But if it's not, then you got to win this game. The next one, you basically got to go on a streak here uh, and just not lose again before the trade deadline, uh, pretty much. And you can sense that in Sully's quotes, in him completely revamping his lineup and again ripping Gino rightfully off the top power play, admitting that they have yet to unlock Eric Carlson 52 games into the season. I mean, what are we doing here? 412-928-9370. Fort, let's take a couple calls here, why don't we? We got Jonathan Bomboli, top of the hour. He's going to be talking Penguins as well. We'll start uh, in Chicago with Rob. Hey, Rob, what's up? Hey, good morning, Joe. Uh, it's the first time I've had a chance to talk to you, but before I start with Penguins hockey, have you seen the Netflix special Four Falls of Buffalo about the Bills in the early 80s? Yes, I had. I have. It's powerful, but it's also horrifying for me, but it's it's really good. <laughs> it's really, really good. It is very good. On, on to the Penguins. Um on P.O. Joseph, he's not – Sullivan, uh, this isn't the first defenseman he's stifled. I mean, I think of Derek Fouliot and Simone Dupre. A lot of these guys just don't get a whole lot of freedom under Sullivan. And and uh, the Penguins just don't have any physicality in front of the net to help the defenseman. If, there's no point in shooting shots at the net if there's no one to deflect it or get a rebound. And, well, that's the big you know, issue. Kind of I, we agree on that. That is the biggest issue. To me, with the power play, is that you don't have a net front presence. I don't know if, if Derek Pouliot ever really would have panned out anywhere, but I do hear what you're saying. And also, I think there are other guys uh, up front that seem to have blossomed elsewhere that were stifled here. I think of McCann. This, I think of Sam Lafferty. People like that. And why they got rid of Tanev when he was the only guy that you know resembled you know, a Matthew Barnaby or a Dar- you know, Darius Kasparitis. They just need they need a guy like Kunitz again or a Hornquist, someone who can provide grit in front of the net that can get the dirty goals. Right now we have no physical presence, and it's killing them. I agree, and I appreciate the call. Sh- Sean? All right, we're going to go out to the South Hills, and we're going to check in with Scott. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing? I agree, with, I agree with the last guy. They have no grinders left. There's no 200-foot ice eaters on that team anymore. No, there's no personality on their third and fourth lines. There's no identity. There's nothing that sets them apart. They're just a bunch of nameless gray faces, and they have been for years. Nobody's been able to figure that out since people like, well, what he, who he mentioned, you know, people like uh, Patrick Hornquist, Matt Cullen, uh, people like that left the building here. And... Yeah, you need those two hundred foot Chris ice grinders, and they don't have them. Yeah, yeah, Chris Kunitz, absolutely. There's just nothing there, Green, man. Sure. Now there's been some injuries. I will say that there's been some injuries with the way that Dubas designed his bottom six, but nothing's happening. I agree. Appreciate the call. 
We got one more. We got Dante who wants to chime in. Hello, Dante. Hey, how are you doing, Joe? Good. What's up? Are you going to get mad if I disagree with you a little bit on something? Maybe. <laughs> That's the way. <laughs> I like your honesty, though. Yeah, I don't think there's really any reason at all why they should possibly try to retool for next year when they're at the very end of their window. On that, they do turn the power play around. Um, they are going to be right there and able to compete because they're only a few points out now, and they have a few games in hand. Power play has been so bad, and with their talent, the easiest thing to turn around. If they were to do that, that would be good for, say, three goals during a playoff um, series, which would be probably just enough to tilt any playoff series, you know? So, well, what gives you what gives you any hope that they're going to turn around that power play? It's not like this is a month or a week. They stunk last year on the power play. They weren't even a top ten power play last year. This year, they're thirtieth. Yeah, I I do agree that there's not a lot that you've seen to make you think you could turn it around. But what I didn't think they could do is perform better defensively and get better goaltending and those things they did do. I I think they just haven't been willing to blow things up, you know, and I think it sounds like there's a willingness to do that now, you know, by moving Malkin and it might not happen overnight. I remember there were reports that um, when Rossi was demanding that we get, get, that we fire the general manager, a few years ago, and every single day he was saying that, it took probably, geez, I want to say eight games after that, that he was saying he needs fire today. But probably eight or nine games later, they finally figured it out. You know, they went on and won the Stanley Cup that year. You know, so again, they're not really that far off from being a playoff team. And once you're in, you're in. So anyway, I appreciate you letting me get well, on the what Well, they're, they are pretty far off. They're 10 points out of third place, and they're nine points out of a wild card spot. So I understand what you're saying, that they could be dangerous if they made it. But, man, what percent chance would you put on them making it right now? They have, say, three or four games in hand, right? And they yeah. might be – or it's nine points that they're out, or is it seven? Nine behind yeah. the Red Wings. Nine of the second wild card yeah. spot. Yeah, they're okay. So yeah, it's it's tough. I I just listen. I don't understand where the whole idea of let's trade Gensel to get better for next year. He is a younger player. You don't. No, he's not. Him. He's turning thirty years old. But in the scheme of things, he's clearly one of the younger guys, and he's one of the better. better well, yeah, he's one of the, the younger league. guys in here. I mean, I'd be one of the younger guys if I went to Ron Cook's place in Fort Myers too. But I mean. He's not young. He's going to pass the 30 threshold, and he's got a body, a little one that's been banged up. One of the reasons is he's so tough. Yeah. But I'm not sure I want to invest. Uh, you know, why not go get an asset and bring him back next year if you could? By the way, did you see the Wild The wild won a game? I just noticed this. 10-7 last night? Yeah. The, um, listen, hockey players aren't football players. The top hockey players play well into their late 30s, right? Gensel is in the prime of his 
career. It's not like a Crosby or a Malkin or, you know, a handful of other players they got. I I just don't understand wanting to get rid of him. That makes because because you have no depth, you have no assets in your organization, you have no young talent, really. Uh, this would be a way to recoup a little bit of that and then, again, bring him back next year. If he really wants to play with Sid, you want to sign him, let him be somebody else's rental, and then bring him back. Because as we've said, what pers- you didn't answer this one. I would say the Penguins have about a 5% chance to make the playoffs. You? Um, I'd say it's... You know, top end, probably 30, 35, and the lower end down to maybe 10%. So it's not a great one. But listen, we all knew before this year started that this is where we were going to end up, that they were probably the outside, like ninth or 10th in the list of teams in the Eastern Conference. Not this far out, though. Not this far out. Now, listen. We all said going into it that fixing the goaltending would be the hardest part. I think fixing the power play is going to be the easier section of it. But, but again, I thank you for letting me get on the phone. I wish you a great day. I wish you an even better one, Carl. Or what was his name? That was Dante. Same thing. Yeah. How about this 10-7 game last night? Did you see this? That's I just five noticed games this. worth of production for the Penguins. That's seven goals for the Wild in the third period. Against the fighting Rick Tockets. Wait a second here. Did Casey DeSmith play the whole game for them? And when did he pull his goalie? Casey DeSmith had how many shots against him? 25 shots and eight goals. That ain't going to get it done, is it? That's not great. Nope. I mean, the other guys pulled their goalie. It looks like Flurry came in, I guess, for uh, the Gus bus. 10 to 7. How do you feel if you're a little uh, Casey DeSmith? That was a legendary matchup, Flurry against Casey DeSmith to wind up the game. Yeah. Uh, he gave up eight goals on 25 shots. That is that is rough. Did they give a couple of empty net goals too? Is that? Uh, two. Two empty netters at the end. But it was 8-7 before that. I wish the Penguins would be in a 10-7 game. That's exactly what I'm saying here, by the way. Just unleash this team. Take some more take more chances. Let Carlson do whatever the hell he wants. That's the moral of my story here. It's and, reached the time of the year that kind of to your point, what do they have to lose now? They need to be desperate. Yeah, what what harm could it do at this point? How about Tockett's team? They're eighty points and in first place. Do they have the most points in hockey for it? They might right now. I think they might. What do you think Ron is doing right now? You think he listens to the show? No, not really. You think he's drinking? I think that's a, uh, I would say 11 o'clock is probably when he starts <laughs> so drinking. So in about eight minutes? Yeah, he's, he's getting ready. <laughs> yeah, Vancouver has the most points in the league. By the way, I think the Devils should get Marc-Andre Fleury. They should get somebody. I, I, I just don't know what Tom Fitzgerald could possibly be thinking. Let's talk all things hockey next and who knows what else might come up with our friend and yours Jonathan Bamboli coming up on the 50 minute mark in fact we're past the 50 minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills I also want to get into Jerry Dulac's appearance on the Rich Eisen show that was rather eye-opening and also 
handshake line problems. Again, in a college basketball game last night, I'll tell you exactly what happened. And we'll talk about why or why not handshake lines should still exist. Look at the teams at the top of the East. Rangers have won seven in a row. Canes have won three in a row. Panthers, five in a row. Bruins are the Bruins. They've been sliding a little bit, but if you're sliding to the point where you're 33, 12, and 11, they have 11 overtime. The Islanders have 14 overtime losses. I think they're on pace for a record at this point. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Boston has 11 of them as well. So, I mean, those teams are almost never losing games in regulation, it appears. Yeah, I guess there's two ways to look at that. You get the loser point, but my God, I thought the Penguins were bad in overtime. The Islanders have lost 14 games in overtime. Are they only sending two skaters out to start the overtime? That's, is that their that's problem? Like 30% of their season is overtime losses. Anyway, for let's get ready for Jonathan Bomboli. He's a very insightful hockey man. We can have him on. Uh, I'm not sure Ron. I don't know if Ron liked him. I was afraid to ask. So I never had Bomboli on except when Ron was on vacation. So we'll try this, okay? Sounds like a plan. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Warmer and sunny today with a high of 50. Hockey's the topic of the day. Few better to talk about that than the one and only Jonathan Bomboli. Dr. Bombay, I like to call him. He is on the Sullivan Super Service fan hotline. Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Hello, Dr. Bombay. Long time no speak. How are you? Yeah, doing good, Joe. How are you doing? I've never been better. Having a wonderful time. Doing better than the Penguins right now. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about is the whole Yager weekend. You and I were covering the Penguins, you and Wilkes-Barre, me in Pittsburgh, but sometimes uh, interspersing back then. So I imagine you got to, uh, to talk to Yager uh, a couple times. What did you make of the way the whole ceremony went? It couldn't have been any better. I mean, one thing the Penguins do well is a ceremony like this. I mean, they do it really well. So, they, you know, the videos were all on point and Yager's speech was amazing. I mean, he was engaging and, because, um, I mean, you know, as well as anybody from the, he was surly at times during his run uh, with the Penguins. But, I mean, he has aged out of that completely um, and is, you know, just beloved at this point. I, I saw him standing there speaking. I was like, I wonder if he'd ever want to be president of the Czech Republic because I think he'd win. Stoggy said the same thing. And I bet you he would. And I bet you he could. Um, I bet you he would win like if a, he ran for that. Sounds like a really hard job, though. Yeah, it's like that old song, everybody wants to rule the world. Not that many people want to do that because it would be it would be a little too much. You know, it's not a great job ruling the world. No, and it's a tough region of the world at the moment. Yeah. How about the Penguins and the state thereof right now? Do you think, I, I asked a caller in the previous segment, percent chance they're going to make the playoffs this season, Jonathan. What would you peg it at? Um. Probably higher than you think. Um, well, because you probably think like closer to zero. But here's what I look at it like, you know, they're 10 points behind the Flyers. They got four games in hand. Um, you know, they're nine points out of the playoff spot. But the games in hand are what really kind of 
uh, muddies the waters. You know, like if you look at points percentage, it looks a lot closer. So once that all straightens out, you'll have a better picture of how far they actually are back. But the bottom line is they are back and they do have a bunch of teams to, to um, you know, jump to get there. I, I, I'm puzzled by this team for this reason. It's a, it's a big reason. Five on five, they're pretty good. I mean, I didn't check after the Kings game, but before the Kings game, they had the best five on five goal differential in the Metropolitan Division. Better than the Rangers, better than Carolina, um, you know, Flyers, Devils, all that. So if you're, and their goaltending's been great. So if your five on five is the best in the division and your goaltending's great, you know, the, the bones, the structure of your team is sound. It's just your power play is killing you, like killing you. So, you know, the, the question, what are the chances the Penguins make the playoffs? It's the same question, the same answer as the question, what are the chances that they get their heads out of their butts on the power play? So, and what do you put that percentage at? You know, 10%, something like that? Well, yes, because it's not just this season. Last season, they weren't even a top 10 power play. I mean, they were at, what, 21.7? That looks legendary compared to what they're doing this season. So, Geno's been knocked off. Maybe that's maybe that's the biggest story. Is that the biggest story here is is the demise of, of Evgeny Malkin? Because it looks like he is in demise here, and now he's been bumped off the top power play again. Does that fix things? Well... I mean, you know, it doesn't fix things in and of itself, but you're just looking for a spark. Um, I, I I think that the the lack of um, sort of fundamental changes on the power play is is a big mark against um, this team, this coaching staff, and the team um, so far this season. Because I don't, and, and maybe the, the changes they're making are subtle, and, and they'd be like, hey, you just don't notice the changes we're making. Well, if I don't notice them, then they're not drastic enough because you need to take drastic action at this point. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's so much of the same. Um, and, and I, yeah, I mean, you know, you can move pieces around, you can try different players, but they don't have players, you know, there's, there's no first power play unit that you could construct that like has a different style of play. It's still perimeter. It's still finesse. Nobody's going to the net. It's not like there's a guy on the third line that you could move up to the, the first power play who's going to Patrick Hornquist it up in front of the crease. It's not going to happen. So, you know, I, I, to me, I don't know what you can do personnel-wise. The, the, you know, I've heard people suggest trying Geno in front, uh, you know, but that, that requires a mentality. Like you either have that mentality or you don't. So I, I don't know what that would do. Um, you know, do, do you try to – I don't know the answers. Do you, you know, running it through Crosby more seems to make sense, but I don't know the, the, the X's and O's that would make that happen. It's confounding. And, and I don't know that, you know, switching a couple guys from the first unit to the second unit, I don't think that's enough. Is Carlson not, not having the impact you thought he would have this season? And, and if not, why? Yeah. I hate to, I, I hate to criticize him because um, he's a good player having a good season. And, and, like he drives the play really well and you know, he doesn't get stuck in his own end. And, and you know, when he's on the ice, you got the puck in the offensive end a lot. Um, so, you know, that's his job. So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and bury the guy. I, I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be fair. Does he need more freedom, Jonathan? That's how I opened the show today. I, I, I think he needs to be Troy Polamalu. I think he needs to, I think Sully needs to tell him, go be yourself. 
And you know what? If, if, if we don't cover for you with a forward or whoever, that's on us. But, but to me, to have him and to pay him and, and to not let him be himself is just, it's derelict of duty for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that the, this team has um, Sully's message about being on the right side of the puck and not giving up odd man rushes. And to tell you the truth, I think this team has listened to that message. Like, I mean, I, I think they're, they're in addition to the goaltending, I, I think they're defensively better um, th- than, than maybe I expected, than maybe they have been. Um, but the, the cost is, offensively, they're much worse. So, you know, that's always a dial, right? I mean, you, you, you're trying to find the right setting on the dial. How aggressive should you be? How much should you be pinching? How, how hard should you be forechecking? Um, the Penguins don't have the right setting on that dial at the moment. You know, that Kings game, they were too far to the left. You know, nobody was taking any chances. Nobody was doing anything. Um, and at times in the past, they've been too far to the right. So, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know exactly what this dial I imagined in my head. I don't know what it's labeled. But um, the, the point is, I see what you're saying. Like, you could say to some of these some of these guys, these top-end guys, like, let's go get it. Let's score some goals. And they could do it. Um, but you'd give up more chances in return. So th- that's a tough balance, and this team has not found it. Man, I'll say. And and his quotes after the game were something along the lines of basically we weren't even trying to play offense in the third period. I'm paraphrasing what he said. Uh, but I, I don't know, man. He just seems stifled here, Jonathan. That yeah. that's that's what, and, and your advantage, I think, over a lot of teams in this league is you have two elite offensive defensemen. Well, I think that was the plan for how this team was going to generate offense. Because if you look at it, I mean, it's they don't have a lot of, you know, gifted offensive goal-scoring forwards. They really don't. Um, especially, I, I shouldn't say that, because it, it's, it's colored by the fact that Riley Smith and Ricard Raquel are not scoring goals. So, and you expected those two guys to score goals. And Jake Gensel's out. So, like, who are your wingers who are scoring there aren't any there's like brian rust to a degree um so you're not going to generate offense based on your your superior firepower up front aside from obviously crosby is having you know an, an amazing season um and malkin at times earlier in the season was was certainly dangerous um but i mean now you got you know i mean who, who are your second line wingers right now o'connor and the the waiver claim like you know if if you're going to create offense, it's going to have to come from those guys on the back. It's going to have to be um, Carlson and Latang joining the rush and, and giving you a numerical advantage that way, or you know being so smooth in the breakout that you're catching defenses before they set up. That that does have to be your advantage based on how this roster is constructed. Because you know, I mean, I don't I don't see this team scoring a bunch of goals, you know, off the cycle or something like that. It has to be off the rush led by those offensive defensemen. Jonathan Bomboli on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. Fan Text Line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. All right, let's get into some other stories, Jonathan, as we like to do. Uh, A woman tossing trash into a dumpster fell in in Manchester, New Hampshire recently. And the trash truck compacted while she was in it four different times. She survived, but let's not bury the lead. How do you fall in? Was she throwing the garbage in from the second story? Or, or how do you fall into a dumpster? 
You ever been to Manchester, New Hampshire? No. Is it like I Florida? No, not at all. But it's it's not bad. Like in terms of the like, you know, New England towns are a lot like Rust Belt towns. Like there's some in, some former industrial places, and if you rank them, Manchester's probably pretty high. It's it's a nice place. Um, my here. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. My freshman year of college, I lived in the second floor of a dorm, and it was right above the dumpster. Um, so that sucked because the, they'd always come empty at it, like six o'clock in the morning or something like that. But so I'm thinking it had to be a setup where you were above the dumpster. Like there's no way you could just be on flat ground throwing a garbage bag into a dumpster and fall in. Unless you were attached somehow to the garbage bag and flew upwards like a reverse and parachute. Like, I don't right. know. And that, that, no, I mean, this person would have to be so this woman would have to be like so light. You know, to, for a garb in the garbage bag, would have to be so heavy. <clears throat> so I'm thinking you need a you need a schematic of this to really understand it, Joe. You need like a map. Yeah, and it something. wasn't included in the story. I needed yeah. that. All right, let's go to yeah. Tampa, Florida, because one of these stories always comes from Florida. A wayward kangaroo corralled safely by sheriff's deputies Thursday after it was spotted hopping around the pool area of an apartment complex. Are there a lot of kangaroos in Florida, and are they dangerous? What would you do if you saw a hopping kangaroo on the loose? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know that they 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 like they like box, right? <laughs> so you're gonna square <laughs> off and box? Cookie's gonna I mean, be in trouble do, down do, there. Do you, cookie, do you go for the body first to wear him down? Well, they have like their upper bodies are small, so I think that's your advantage. You have a reach advantage on them. You go throw a jab on a kangaroo. I think if you get inside, they also they, they kick very powerfully. So yeah, so it's more they, like ultimate uh, fighting, right? Yeah, but it all how you do against the kangaroo depends entirely upon the rule set that has been agreed upon. What if you go if after you, the kangaroo with his own, you know, his own medicine? You kick him right in the nuts to start the thing. Does the fight end right there because he's shocked? Well, that's incredibly poor sportsmanship, Joe. Why would, why would you? No, that I'm worried about that. If there's a rabid kangaroo on the loose. Yeah, and th- definitely you want to avoid the kicks because that's yeah. what will mess you up. He's going to outkick you have, probably, yeah. Yeah, totally. They just have like little like Tyrannosaurus arms. Right? Like you could take a jab from a kangaroo. It's that like mule kick that would really What if he celebrates? Really what if he knocks you out and then puts you in his little pouch and just walks off like a, in celebration? <laughs> I think the pouch, is, the pouch might – complicate your plan about the low blow yeah that could provide a little bit of cushioning for him right there could be there could be like a cup of some sort i don't know how that works exactly. to square off to square off with in a boxing match with the uh with the kangaroo would be unbelievable yeah if the kangaroo believed in sportsmanship and it was like john l sullivan put up your dukes i think you'd have a good chance (laughs) that would be great Mm -hmm. all right switching date lines here with jonathan bomboli to johnston rhode island uh a hiker Killed a rabid coyote with his bare hands. He pinned the coyote down by its neck, killing it by cutting off its air supply. Was this guy himself on on bath salts, or how, how do you do that? Did you like air supply in the eighties, Joe? No, not really. <laughs> that sort of surprises me. You strike me as an air supply kind of guy. Did you have a perm? <laughs> I did have a, a a natural perm, an Art Garfunkel type of uh, fro in a way. It was it was unbelievable. I'll show you. Uh, I'll send you a photo later. Yeah, that was the air supply look. Um, I heard a story. I heard a report. You ever look at Next Door? 
you know that app that has like information about your neighborhood yeah and it's all it's all it's like ridiculous you know it's like what there, there are suspicious people or some you know, whatever but um i read something that in my neighborhood they had spotted somebody had spotted coyotes on their trail cam so you know there were coyotes in green tree right here in yeah. green tree we've had coyotes and i think i may have saw one once and i'll tell you my instinct was not to fight him. It was to get the hell out of there as fast as I could. For sure. I mean, I live in Scott, so this might be the same pack of coyotes we're talking about. Um, but not wily coyotes. Like, like wily coyote, you could you could imagine strangling wily coyote. Although I don't know why you'd want to strangle an American institution like that. But you, th- these these the real life ones. Yeah, they're they look like little vicious dogs. That guy. I mean. If you're in a fight or flight situation where you're convinced that it's either you or the coyote, I guess you could, you know, humans are capable of amazing things, but even boxing kangaroos, if they need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Under most circumstances, the, the re- correct reaction to a coyote in your presence is to run the other way, I would imagine. And they usually don't attack humans. Fort, do you have any thoughts on any of the above stories? Which one stood out to you? Jonathan, have you met Fort Myers before? Sean Myers? I don't believe we've met, no. Jonathan, Sean, Fort, well, Jonathan. If I ever come across any coyotes, he'll be the first person I call, I suppose. Uh, I really like the kangaroo story and then the the, uh, the visual of a boxing match or some sort of combat combat uh, interaction with, with the kangaroo I thought was pretty entertaining. Yeah. I thought you were going to mention like Shane Doan or Keith Kachuk when you're talking about these coyotes, though, tying well, into hockey. This last one, the guy that sounds like, uh, who was it that knocked out Jay Beagle? Aaron Asham. Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. that one? I do. Poor little Jay it's, Beagle. I think it's telling that when we talked about coyotes, my mind did not go to Shane Doan. It went to Wiley Coyote. That tells you something about the way my brain works. I like the way your brain works, and that's why I'd like <laughs> to have you on more often. Thank you, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. Good to talk to you, Joe. That was Jonathan Bomboli of The Trib. Larry Richard, once again, hosting the Feed the Need Variety Show to raise funds for our Giant Eagle Feed the Need Radiothon March 1st at Oaks Theater in Oakmont. Who's calling me? And why are they calling me now? That's the question. Uh, That's at 7.30 p.m. there at the Oaks in Oakmont. Performances from Kiki, myself. You going to be there, Sean? I might sing a song. So I was actually thinking about that. I can walk to the Oaks Theater. What? Yes, However, I think I'm going to be doing some championship basketball, so it's going to depend on how late you stay there. But if you stay late hours, I will definitely swing by. Melista and Bubba as well. Tickets available now at 937thefan.com. All the proceeds going to the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Coming up next, it was a rousing mailbag today. Uh, Intergalactically read from here to Uranus, Mm. I believe. I believe there's little Martians on Uranus reading that mailbag right now. It's become so popular. Uh, Some great questions about Justin Fields, about Jeff Capel. There was a very intriguing question. We'll get to that next. Jay Caulfield, top of the hour, here on what we're now calling the Joe Show for the time being on 93.7 The Fan. Still recovering from that coyote story. A guy killing a coyote with his bare hands. I wonder what kind of fight it was. Does the coyote put up a big fight there? 
I would think so. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with a coyote. There's a lot of things I wouldn't mess with, though. I'm not a fan of snakes either, myself. Can you imagine that? Having to kill a snake? Even a kangaroo? That story from Florida. Yeah, I think people kind of want to like kangaroos, but yeah, if he starts coming at you, you got to... I think kangaroos have a li- they have latent anger. They do. Yeah. They're very aggressive, I think, if if they're pushed the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. And then Vamboli said they go into boxing mode, which would be unbelievable to have a boxing match with a kangaroo. That's why I would just let him stay by the pool and enjoy himself. Yeah, that's an option. I think the early kick in the match, I think that would shock him to know that there's this other animal that I'm fighting, a human, that is capable of kicking me in the groin. Would you try that? At least one? Does he know? Because they know how to kick. They also know how to combat kicks. That's the thing. Probably because if they fight amongst themselves, they're they're probably used to dealing with it. Exactly. But they would never expect it. So you got to get that one shot, double them over, and then crack them in the jaw. What if it's a female kangaroo? That's problematic then, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to know immediately. Some people would know. I I I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. In the heat of battle, I don't know. Sean, would you like to dive into a mailbag with me? I think that's a great idea. It makes me sad because I used to say that to Ron. Every once in a, a while, maybe four or five times a show, there's pangs of sadness that arise. Yeah. What's it's good to remember Ron? him fondly, though. Well, now you make it sound like he's gone forever. In some ways, he is, right? In some ways, yeah. He said he'll be back every now and then, but I don't know if we believe him. I want to do football predictions with Ron next year. Think that would be good? Yeah, I think he'd be up for that. Every Friday? All right. First question from Bobby. Do you think Pitt makes the NCAA tournament? Fort, you? Yes. uh, Obviously, they're trending in the right direction now. If they, you know, sputter and go 500 from here on out, it might be kind of tough. But I think there's plenty of evidence that they will not sputter because they've gotten some massive wins. And I think that they've done enough at this point that – their resume is looking like a team that should be in as long as they take care of business. Do you think they need to beat both Wake Forest and Clemson on the road, or would a split do? I'm thinking they might need to beat both. I I was listening to the Noah Constrictor last night. I think he was on with Roundtree. (laughs) That's a great name. He said five and one, they're guaranteed in. Four and two, he still thinks that they have really good odds as long as they win one tournament or one ACC tournament game. So I think four and two is still doable uh, again, but then you can't sputter and drop another game. So I I don't think that they would have to do that. I think four and two and then a a win in the ACC would probably get them in. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I also suggested to this fine man that Jeff Capel did the best coaching job in all of Pittsburgh. I'm talking talking Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, Pitt football, Pitt basketball. So among those five, I realize there were some great coaching jobs, you know, Pitt women's volleyball, for example. Uh, but I'm talking those five. I think Jeff Capel did the best coaching job in Pittsburgh last year. And I think if he gets this team to the tournament and wins a game again this year, the same will be true. Do you agree? I agree. And I don't even know who you would say would be second, to be honest. Uh, I mean, maybe if the Pirates have a good year this year, you could Ask say the Chelsea. national media. They'll tell you Tomlin. They'll tell you he right. should be co- but I don't get think coach most of the people, year votes all the time. I don't think most people here would, would have that sentiment necessarily. So, I mean, I think Sullivan certainly. Certainly not. Narduzzi you know. not. 
Tomlin no. Tomlin would be the next best candidate, though. Certainly not Sheltie, right? Well, I, I think this year could go a long way for the Pirates. But, yeah, to this point, I don't think Capel's really even uh, – I, I think he's head and shoulders above the rest. All right. Uh, a person called I am Josh Douglas, which I imagine means he's Josh Douglas. Yes? You would think so. How many more Jersey retirements do you see in the Penguins' future? I feel like there are four guarantees, says Mr. Douglas. I imagine he's talking Sid, Gino, Latang, and Flurry. My point there would be, as I argued with Bob yesterday, if Flurry has a case, then so does Barrasso, possibly even a better one. Yes, but I, I it goes back to do people have fond memories of Barrasso outside of playing. Obviously, he was a terrific goalie, but I think I would not, say not who, the most liked person. So, do you think that you know? likability, hero status with Flurry. I would say Flurry's one of the top five most beloved Penguins of all time. And I think that Does matters. That, this is yeah. Jersey retirement, not NHL Hall of Fame type credentials, right? I mean, so I think public perception does matter in something like that. I hear that. Although the public perception of Yager wasn't great for a while. Um, I, I just, that wouldn't be my criterion if I were running a team. And that's why I think that Bradshaw and Barry Bonds that it's horrendous that they haven't had their jerseys retired here. Two of the greatest athletes ever to set foot on Pittsburgh soil, I might add. Bradshaw, Bonds. Do you agree? So Bonds, I think, is tough because most people, I think, more so relate with the Giants for Barry Bonds. Now, he was unbelievable in Pittsburgh, but it was less than half of his career. He was gone by, what, 28 or so. So maybe they think of him more so as a player who, is a giant first and foremost. Yeah, I think they're using the all the stuff that happened in San Francisco as an excuse not to put his jersey or his number up here. We just saw Shaq's number retired by the Magic, where right. certainly he's not necessarily associated with the Magic first and foremost. I practically forgot he ever played there, to be honest with you. Um, Barry Bonds in a storied franchise history, especially in the previous century. The Pirates have had some of the greatest talents in baseball history. The only guy to win two MVPs. I, I just do. Do you then agree with their stance not to retire his number? Uh, no, I would probably do it. But again, I think that goes back to there's a lot of people in Pittsburgh who don't have very high opinion of him for one reason or another. Obviously, how he left here wasn't great, and then the, the steroid scandal and things of that nature. He was not very likable at any point. Uh, as a player, but his accomplishments, no doubt, he should be there, even if he only played, what, seven seasons or so in Pittsburgh. I maintain with Bob, and I still believe it, that he is attached to, forget all the other stuff about him, he's attached to maybe the most hurtful, soul-crushing single play in modern Pittsburgh sports history. Yeah, that wasn't a very good throw home, and <laughs> so well, he'll I, always I, be ripped for that. I think unfairly attached to it. I mean, I don't think that the throw was that bad in, under those circumstances. But either way, however you view it, a lot of people would agree with you. Uh, he is attached to that. So I don't know if, if there would be the love fest. In fact, I don't think there would be for Bonds. I think he'd be, I don't think people would boo him or anything, but it wouldn't be like this joyous reunion or anything close to it that it was with Yager, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. Although I think with each passing year, uh, maybe some of that is overlooked or forgiven a little bit, the fact that he wasn't very likable for long periods of time. I think that cools over time. All right. A man named Runnin' Ref 
<clears throat> Other than 66, says running ref Rick, who are your top three Penguins of all time to score on a breakaway to save the world? He says, I'd give you mine, but I'd rather have you rack your brain on this one. Thank you, running ref. Your answer, Sean? Other than 66, you get three guys. I, well, you have to go Crosby. Of course. I think you go Yager. Mm, okay. And, well, I mean, obviously, Malkin's the, the apparent answer, but, I'm, I mean, Latang's really good on on breakaways. Uh, and I'm sure there's other guys that, you know, Ron Francis, one of the greats in NHL history, but I would I, I would say Latang. I have a feeling that he's a guy that I'd want getting a – a breakaway opportunity. I respect your choices. Sid's the obvious one, of course. He has 44 shootout goals, uh, including a memorable one that won the first winner classic, as I recall. A couple really memorable shootout goals. Early in his career, I think he beat Montreal. I think that was the first shootout in Pittsburgh, by the way. And I still love shootouts, Sean. I don't care what anybody says. And it sure looks to me, as I'm watching these games on TV, whenever there's a shootout, everybody's standing watching. I think people still like them. They just don't want to admit it. Yeah, it's very exciting. I think the question comes, is it fair to get an extra point by being better at the shootout? But the excitement level, no doubt, that's... Yeah, it's gimmicky, but so is three-on-three hockey, right? And I love yes. the three-on-three, yes, by it the way. Is. I absolutely love it, but you can't play that forever. We got 82 games to play here. So my choices are Sid, Malkin, although he's not great on breakaways, and neither was Yager. Yager hated the shootout, too. Didn't like participating in the shootout. So, But I'll go Malkin just because I figure he'll find a way. Is Kovalev a Maybe. sneaky pick? Kovalev's a nice pick. Yeah. I should have picked Kovalev or Latang above Gino, and I'm ashamed of that. It's okay. My third pick, Eric Christensen. <laughs> this guy converted 14 of 23 shootout attempts in his career. That's, the, that's 61%. That's the highest percentage of any Penguin who has taken double figures in shootout shots. How about that? And this is to save the world? Is that the Yeah, I believe in Eric Christensen. Yes. When I think saviors of the world, he often pops to mind. Yeah, I agree with that, no doubt. All right. Here goes a man named... uh... Oh, that's City Limits weighed in on this. I didn't even realize when that was happening. It's Austin Bechtold came in with a question. Uh, Look at this guy. This guy calls himself Bob Nutting's Thoughts, at Nutting Thoughts. How can the fans trust the Steelers brass to evaluate a quarterback when they kept the best quarterback on the roster buried at number three and only played when their hand was forced? It's a good point. I mean, I I think it's fair to say that, one, they misidentified Kenny Pickett potentially as the guy that, you know, they obviously went with a first-round pick and then, they compounded it by bringing in Trubisky, who was not the right guy, and then they played both of them over Rudolph. So there should be some skepticism and doubt. Uh, that being said, I don't know that just because you messed up before doesn't mean you can't identify quarterbacks in the future. Everyone at some point in time has a misevaluation, even the best teams in the NFL. So I, I agree that it doesn't look great, but how many years do we hear that the Steelers can't draft cornerbacks and then they get one of the very best in the entire draft in Joey Porter Jr. So things right. can change. Well, I'm not sure the fans do trust the Steelers brass to evaluate a quarterback. You know, uh, I don't think they do. And by the way, you can add Mitch Trubisky to that debacle. Not only did they sign him, and I was for it at the time too, 
They doubled down on him and tripled down on him, kept playing him when he was playing bad. That's Tomlin's fault. And also, they took Chris Oladokun ahead of Brock Purdy, if you want to include that on the list. Should we, or is that unfair, Fort? I don't think it's unfair in one sense that he didn't even make the roster. So, I mean, if you draft a guy there, and then did he even, like, throw the ball at all in preseason? I feel like he never even got an opportunity. So no, it was just a wasted he does, pick. He does have two Super Bowl rings. He does, Oladokun. and he's earned them. Yeah, it's just, it no, seems like. No, he has, and he's on the practice squad. <laughs> He's mimicking the likes of Lamar Jackson on the practice squad. Seems like uh, you can certainly say that that was not the the Steelers' finest moment to draft a guy and then to not give him any opportunities and then let him go immediately. I think in one of Dulac's chats, he said that somebody on the Steelers' staff was fighting for Purdy in the fifth round, as early as the fifth round. Might have been a nice pick. Although, what would have happened to him? He probably never even plays here. Never plays a down. Might never be seen again in the NFL. That's, I mean, there was a chance where he wasn't going to play in San Francisco if not for two injuries in front of him. And then if you're looking for Arthur Smith to weigh in on the, uh, you know, with, with sound judgment on quarterback situations, his best thinking as a major decision maker, the head coach running the offense in Atlanta, was to draft Desmond Ritter and spend tens of millions of dollars combined on Marcus Mariota and Taylor Heineke. Yeah, not great track record there. And Ritter's kind of been in some ways similar to Pickett where they tried to make him the guy and it just didn't really work. And he got two opportunities this year. I think they benched him briefly, went back to him, and uh, I think they've already seen enough to say he's not the answer. And so I I think there are some parallels between he and and Pickett to this point. This is a disaster. Is it not, Sean? Ron used to like it when I said that. Now I'm sad about Ron again, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. It just, it comes in waves. I guess grief is that way. Comes and goes, comes in waves. Just like the waves that he's absorbing right now at the beach. This is last week's mailbag that I never got a chance to uh, talk about. This is from Josh Howard, whoever that is. It's you and three Pittsburgh athletes for a foursome of golf. Who are you choosing in your trio? Fort, do you ever play golf? No. If you did, who would be your, who would be the three other people? These are athletes? Yeah, or former athletes I included. I should have included Jack Lambert now that I think about it. Uh, I had Mario. Yeah, I mean, that would be really intimidating to, to golf with him, I think. But, uh, yeah, that would be cool. I, I would have to go with Lemieux. Troy Polamalu and David DeCastro. I like Polamalu as well. I don't probably think I would lean towards DeCastro, but I know you and he were good pals, so... Nah, I wouldn't go that far. He won't even golf with me. Although it was nice of him and Al to call in for Ron's last day, Absolutely. wasn't it? Absolutely. In unison. I like Neil Walker. I might pick him. He'd be great. And he plays. I think he play. Who does he play with? Eric Tangrady, I think those two like to play golf together. Remember him for the Penguins? I sure do. Yeah. Great guy. Surprised you didn't pick him as one of the uh, the guys on the breakaway to save the world. Josh Howard asked. <laughs> Maybe. Josh Howard asks again. Boy, he double-dipped here, didn't he? He really likes this mailbag. What's one Super Bowl you wish you were in attendance for? Well, for me, it's the the 49ers Super Bowl win against the Chargers, Steve Young. I thought you were, yeah, I forgot you were a Niners fan. Yeah. It's very sad. Mine would be Jets-Colts, the the Super Bowl, the game that changed football forever, right? I think that's probably Ron's answer as well. Yeah, I wish I was at that one. And the next morning... There was a very interesting interview. Dan Rooney and Colts defensive coordinator Don Shula. 
at, was it the Palm something hotel in Miami? That changed the course of Steelers history. Not that I would have been privy to that fort, but I would love to have been at that game. Did you have a number two? Would it have been Patriots-Giants, perhaps? No, it would have been one of the old ones, maybe Chiefs-Vikings, so I could, well, I wouldn't have heard unless I was on the sidelines. Hank Stram saying, matriculate the ball down the field, boys, which is the greatest quote of all time. Uh, what was the greatest Super Bowl? Maybe Patriots-Seahawks? That would have been a good one. Maybe Steelers-Cowboys, I, I, I 35-31. Always, I always think of the the Giants stopping the undefeated season for the Patriots. That would have been a good one, too. Juice Springsteen, at Juicy Steen. Hello, Joe. Who is your favorite pro wrestler of all time? You a wrestling guy, Sean? Absolutely. I'm going to WrestleMania this year. Oh, that's right, with Donnie Football, yes. right? Well, who's your favorite? So I'm going to go two Pittsburgh guys, uh, Kurt Angle and my friend, Elias, because I grew up with him, so I can't really go away from him. So I'll say it's a split between those two. Kurt Angle, just unbelievable career and truly an incredible athlete all around, not just a professional Your buddy worked for the Elias Sports Bureau. Maybe that's his next move. I think he should. Um, I said nobody. I hate pro wrestling. I always have. I told the story of Mulsey and Donnie football watching pro wrestling back there. I just, I don't get it. I never did. I don't have a favorite. I don't care. How about that? Shut him down. <laughs> Run and ref again. Hi, Joe. If about 10% of the population, and I like the salutation. I think that's just old school politeness, don't you? Yeah, I think so. If about 10% of the population is left-handed, why aren't 10% of the starting NFL quarterbacks left-handed? I mean, is there even one these days? I pointed out that two is the only lefty in the league, but your top five left-handed quarterbacks of all time. A little tough for you to do it off the top of your head, so I'll tell you mine, Fort, okay? Sure. Uh, Jim, no, he gets bumped off, Jim Zorn. Jim Zorn is honorable mention. Mark Brunell, five. Boomer Esiason, four. I think my guy's going to be number one, to be honest. Um, then I was split between Michael Vick and Kenny Stabler. I'm going to go Kenny Stabler, three. Michael Vick, two. Steve Young, one. Yes? My favorite football player ever, Steve Young. I agree. He, he was incredible. I really like Mark Brunell, too. He reminded me of a poor man, Steve Young, for a long, long time. Yeah, he was fun to watch. He was great. So was Jim Zorn. Honorable mentions go to two phenomenal college quarterbacks, Pat White and Tim Tebow. Pat White, one of my favorite quarterbacks who ever lived. That guy was legendary in college, except for that 113-9 game, but I think he was a little bit banged up. Did you see Mike Vick as maybe the most physically gifted quarterback ever? Yes. I, yes, I mean, people talk actually. about Mahomes. What Vick did, and I know he never really put it together. He had some great seasons, but even later in his career, Watching him run, he looked faster than everyone else on the field, regardless of what their 40 he times were. He was nearly the MVP for the Eagles late in his career. He had a great year for them. All right, Jay Caulfield coming up. Let's get back to hockey. I've got a lot of questions for Jay. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills so we're going to talk to Jay. We're going to get back to, uh, well, one thing I want to get to today is these handshake lines. There was a fight in college basketball last night. we got to talk about that at some point. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 
1,500 trucks. Warmer and sunny today, high of 50. Getting real late for the Penguins. Feels like a season slipping away here when you start talking. I don't care how many games you have in hand. Because, again, I think the natural way to think of games in hand, and it's the way my brain first computes it when I look at the standings, oh, you're nine points back with four games in hand, so that's eight, so really you're only a point back, that type of No, you. The thing about games in hand is you need to win them. You know, so I don't care how many games in hand they have. They're 10 points out of third place in the Metro with three teams in that division in front of them also chasing the Flyers. All of them have games in hand on the Flyers, too. Not as many as the Penguins. And then you're nine out of the second wild card spot. So this is starting to look very, very bleak. And for all I know, Kyle Dubas, who's meeting with the media, I believe, Wednesday around 2 p.m., he might have his mind made up already that he he's going to be more of a seller than a buyer or or neutral. He may he may have his mind made up already about what he thinks this team is moving forward. I don't know that. If he doesn't, then man, tonight sure feels important. This week feels important. Let's bring on Jay Caulfield, Stanley Cup champion, Jay Caulfield, to talk about all of this. He's on the Sullivan Super Service uh, fan hotline. Jay, man, it's hey, winning, it's winning. How you doing? It's winning time now, right? I mean, yeah. now it's desperation yeah. time. We saw Sully reconfigure his lines, his defense pairs yesterday. We'll see if he actually uses them in a game. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is. I think that loss the other night was a real, real kick right there because you could have. You know, I've been looking at games, and we talked about this over the last couple of weeks. You can go in games and you can go in segments of 10 games and that kind of thing and look where you're at and what you need to do and, and, and block it off. So you're not stretching, you know, looking so far ahead. And now you're at the point where in these 10 games, they're two into the fifth, you know, the sixth uh, set of 10 games. With, with 10 games, you had six, seven, and eight more 10 game segments, right? So you can't be less than seven and three in any 10 game segment. Right now, they're one and one. They get the Islanders tonight. And you need to, because if you do the math, Joe, and I'm not sure exactly what it would be, maybe 95 to 97 points, you know, has been getting you in that second wild card spot. So with those numbers and 55 points, you know, you can just do the math. So they need to be a little worse than that and try and be better than that. And that's why that one the other night was very tough. You could have been 2-0 going into this game against the Honors, and now you get a team that's pressing as well, picked up a point at least the other night. They're playing better. I'm not sure what we're going to get with the Islanders with Patrick Waugh, but it is a huge game. You cannot uh, – I almost look at that game tonight as the one game you're going to flash back to and go, is this the one that got you? And uh, yeah. there's so many that can fall into that category. But the one so close to the end, now you're going to look at standings each and every night. We will look at it each and every night and figure out where you're at. But it is a push right now. And, and you can see the way Mike Sullivan reacted and tried to move, but he doesn't have many pieces to be moving around. He's not getting results that he wants. I'm glad it looks like they're putting Pustin back in the lineup. You need that. You need young guy who's going to fight. He's going to. He can be a trigger man. You get him on the power play or whatever. I think with Eller and Beth, that could be a good line. But you need you need guys. You need young guys to step up. And he's given opportunities. He feels he's given guys opportunities, and they haven't delivered. And it's tough when you are a one line team, and that's basically what they've been 
through a long stretch due to percentage of goals that have been scored by the top line, the Crosby line, and that kind of shows you where you're at. Jay Caulfield Show brought to you by McVeigh Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. So we've all seen the ends of careers, Jay. Sometimes they come along quickly. Sometimes they yep. they go slowly. It just looks like Gino is starting to slow down. You know, he has two goals in his last 18 games. Now he's been ripped off, apparently, the first power play again. And that happened yeah. yesterday at practice. When we're looking at personnel on this team, this might be the biggest issue of all because you're paying him and playing him to be not the star that he was, but a guy who on a given night can completely take over a game and who's going to be a fairly consistent scorer, and it's just not happening. What are you seeing? Yeah, no, it's not happening. It's a blend of, you know, his wingers. Um, I just think in general there are nights when, you know, if you need a wing or somebody to finish for you, and then when that doesn't happen, then, then you lead to try and push a little too hard and try and do a little bit more, and it catches you. And, it's, and now you're in those dog days. You know, late in the, late in the year, by the trade deadline, it, it's tough time of the year. And it, it can be fatigue setting in. Yeah, when it's not – listen, he still has – he's just under a point of game guy still. But it's not – but that's not what – it's the type – how the games are going. Jay, you're starting to break up a little. Uh, I, I can't hear Jay that well. I wonder if now, we You got me now, Joe? Yeah, that's a little I'm better. Sitting in one spot. You got it? Okay. That's... Jay, we're going to give you a call. We'll give you a call back. That's fine. Um, yeah, man, I think at this point with the Penguins, we had a caller very adamantly against this earlier to retool for next year to trade Gensel and try to get him back then in the offseason. And if he really wants to play with Sid... And he doesn't want to completely break the bank doing it, then you'll have your opportunity to make that happen in the offseason while getting an asset back here. I mean, look at the guys that they're using right now to try to win hockey games. They've got basically nothing in their system. And you remember when they won cups under Sully, both years it was with major help from younger guys infusing that energy and talent into the lineup. And that just isn't happening here. It's just not, and there's no reason to believe it will be. Let's get back to Jay. Jay, sorry about that. You can pick up where you left off. Yeah. Can you got me now? You sound clear, Joe, for you? Yeah, yeah. You sound perfect. So listen, here's what I, here's when you're part of the power play unit and it's not successful, your line isn't producing, then certainly it's going to look like it's tailing off. And the team has that look, right? The team just in general, the way they're built, they're not, they, they just, they're not jam the, the guys who show the most jam you got Crosby Latang that's there's a lot of things missing but we're always we are going to go to when a guy's career is coming towards you know the final years of it uh it's tough but again no production on the power play the second line you mentioned two goals in 18 games that's certainly going to be one of the first things that everybody's going to look at and the number that goes with it and eventually it makes you realize that the team is going to have to either you know, Kyle Dubas is going to have to really come together and figure out what they can do to, to, to right the ship. But when assets don't bring in, I mean, what are you going to move? What are you going to do? Else, we know the Gensel deal. Everybody's been talking about the potential of what that could bring in. But there's not anything else out there that's going to bring you something, right? What are you going to do? 
this is tough. This is up. The guys right now, they're in that locker room. They get a step on the ice, and hopefully his game can come back around the way he wants it. He's talked publicly about the same thing multiple times, Joe, but the results just haven't been there. And and until it changes, the power play is going to be a key part of it. What do they do? Can his numbers pick up? But it's kind of crazy when you get a guy that's still 40-some points, but it's just not what we or the fan base is used to seeing. And to follow it up, you don't have – there's just not that – it's just not a – right now they're a team that just looks like they don't have that commitment from the guys below the superstar status. I mean, even that, you just don't see it. You don't get production. If you're a defenseman like John Ludwig's in the lineup and he provides a physical presence, but he has to bring it – he has to bring that every night. It's not like, hey, I did it a couple times and then I'm I'm, going to stay in the lineup. No, it doesn't work that way, especially when you're not winning games. So – I cross the board. Everybody, whoever understand, you understand your role, you got to go out and do it. That's it. That's bottom line. And there's production when you're playing north of ten minutes a night, whether you're the fourth line, third line, whatever it is. But you might not get special teams. But if you're in that number, you still have to produce. It's different than what it used to be way back when. And even then, you needed to produce. But your minutes could be really shuffled in, in past years. Right now, if you're getting close to ten minutes a night, you either have to have hits that show you you, you change the dynamic of a game where you get on the score sheet, you keep people off the scoreboard, and that team as a whole has done great because the goaltending has been great. They kept the numbers down, but they're not able to produce. And when that happens, you see Mike Sullivan's reaction. He's trying to do whatever he can to change this, and this was the start of it tonight until we get to the trade deadline to see what happens from there. But if not, they're going to be in – they will find themselves in trouble. I still believe they can climb up and above, but it's the effort tonight is going to be key. If you see something that looks like they get a spark and they battle – then you know you can get in the right direction. Your goaltending has been great. They need to back that up. Jay, Mike Sullivan admitted yesterday, essentially, that they haven't gotten the best out of Eric Carlson. He talked about finding ways to unlock him. Unlock him. I Uh tend to think that the best way to do that would be the obvious. Just say, you know, go play. Be Eric Carlson. I compared it to Troy Polamalu. Freelance. Create. Take chances. Take risks. We'll try to cover for you. Right. You know, didn't Bob Airy once do that for Paul Coffey for a while? I mean, y- you got to let it. Let this guy be himself. What do you see? Yeah. Um, like I, I, I mean, I feel that too. I'm sure as a player he feels that. I think what Mike Sullivan's alluding to, he's put Pedersen with him. Pedersen has been and needs to be, continue to be the best defenseman for what his role is expected. He has been the most consistent at what his job is, is kind of when they meet with coaches, this is what they expect of him. He brings offense, but he's been solid defensively. Putting Pedersen back with Carlson, if we see that tonight, that's just it's saying what you're saying, Joe. Go ahead. Jump up into play. we got a guy that covers for you. But the forwards need to cover for him as well. It's got to be that. You're right to your point about Bob Berry. You need to have a forward who's got to be aware. He's with Carlson. He's going to be up into play. you got to back him up. you got to cover up for him. You can't get caught. Otherwise... Otherwise, you'll get into that odd man rush thing again, right, Joe? So it's got to be everybody working and realizing, hey, I've got a defenseman that's going to be active, up in the play, and if he goes deep, i got to cover up for him. All those things become a part of it. And I, and I still think they haven't been in sync. I mentioned the other night, not in sync when they're on the power play. Obviously, the numbers aren't there. But just even the setup of, you know, Crosby scores up a one-time feed by Carlson. For some reason, it, when, it, there's later in the game, there's a chance for a one-timer for Latang. It's in his skates. They're like they're not in sync. They're just not in sync on certain things. 
And all that has to come together. Carlson has to be the superstar that he is that they brought in. And I think pairing him with Pedersen will maybe allow him to go do that and get on it. And then moving Graves down, who still hasn't found his stride, all those things are part of it, Joe, right? You don't really do you see three, the three pairs moved around like they just were. But that's, that's, that's Mike Sullivan saying, I'm not, I don't like one bit. I don't like anything I'm seeing. It falls on everybody. But these guys need to change their game. And it does need again here. You're looking at an Islander game. You cannot lose this game tonight, in my opinion. You can't see yourself get further away. Uh, and it's, nothing's not, it's not like the end of the line if you lose it, but it will make it very difficult. They need an effort from a team that is put together to go out and produce offensively, strong defensively, great goaltending, and that's what all of them, whoever in the lineup and get the look, they have to go out there and do it. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. And the text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, personal injury law firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Jay, it was great to see you at the Yager ceremony. I was watching on TV, I mean, but to see you walk out there was awesome with all uh, or at least a lot of your old buddies from those teams. I've often yeah. heard guys say that when they get back together, no matter no matter how many years later, that everybody sort of assumes the role that they were in, and it's like being back in the locker room. Do you have that experience with these guys? <laughs> I think it was exactly, yeah. I, we, um, that's a good way to say it, Joe. And like you said, how you heard it before, that's exactly what it was, what it was like. It was great from Friday night to, you know, in the Saturday, a big dinner and a very nice dinner at Ala Familia that, and the Penguin, with the Penguins and how they did it. The whole organization did a wonderful job. I mean, wonderful job putting it all together. And I think that's exactly how it felt. And then it, then it just, uh, the, the ceremony for Yager was such well-deserved. And I think he was truly, um, I think he was touched by the whole thing and took it all in. And I also think that if you listen to him, starting even on the Friday night, if you have a chance to see that, very, um, I, think, I think it just caught him. I, I think he, he came across intelligent. He came across deep in, in certain situations, deeper than what people would ever think about. And, and, and I think this all brought it out. And he's at a level. He's running a team. He's, he can handle a lot of different things. He's done so much in the game. But that's one thing that I felt from the Friday night, sit down with him and how he was and how uh, he took it all in and realizes what, what Pittsburgh means to him. And the fan base, of course. I mean, everybody, how they treated him. I mean, uh, it, was one of the, it was a really, really one of the greatest uh, ceremonies that I've seen and been a part of. It's very nice. Yeah, I thought from beginning to end it was just incredible. I mean, he was his yeah, speech yeah. was his speech was funny, and uh, he just seems to be in a very good place in his life. Yager does. Is that the sense that you got? Yeah, yeah, I do too. I, I feel that same thing, and I I think also uh, get, with Mario there, what that meant. Um, you know, Joe, I think that was is huge for me. Obviously, he talked about how much he was how he idolized him and all that, but that he was there when there was always little, was it, was it ever, I, truthfully, he was never not going to be there. Right? He was never not going to be there, but the word wasn't that way. Nobody knew exactly whether Mario would be in the building or not and what that would mean, but certainly he would not miss that. As I told you on the air over the last couple of weeks, he, he knows what the right thing is to do, and he would never miss that, but that, that, that had to come out the way it did. You know what I mean, Joe? Like yeah, it had to come out of course, this way yeah. with Mario there, with Mario there, and Yager seeing that, his mom there, father passing the year before, all emotional moments. But I think that Mario was, was in the building and there and around it for the three days. 
was very, very special. Um, and, and going back one more thing to what, the, what it was like in the locker room before, Ulf Samuelson is exactly the same. Ronnie Francis is exactly the same. Hmm. Kevin Stevens exactly the same. <laughs> Joey Mullen, they're all. And if you sit at a table with all those, and then we were lucky enough, we went out to dinner Friday night, um, my wife and I, and with Mario and his wife, and Ulf and Ronnie and that kind of group, and everybody was, it was truly exactly the same. And, and you even had players like Ulf mentioning, I don't know if there could have been better years than the years that that, that team was together uh, and what it meant. And he, they felt that coming in here. You know, players that have, coming back here is big for all the players that were part of those teams. And uh, it means a lot to them. And I think they all felt that as well. Yeah, the whole thing was was amazing, and uh, just I'm glad that it all happened. I, I can't get enough of the highlights and the quotes and and all of that stuff. Still, I'm still watching it. Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Joe, great to talk to you. You too, man. We'll talk again next week. That's Jay Caulfield, Stanley Cup champion. Listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's Card of the Week from the Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry Contest run every Wednesday through Friday. At noon at the 937thefan.com contesting page. Coming up, let's talk about the latest handshake line disaster. Happened in a college game last night. Do we need to have these things? Does this need to happen? Because this is the latest in a bunch of incidents, like physical incidents. I'm not sure we do. You might have a different idea. 412-928-9370. Jason Mackey, top of the hour from Bradenton. All right, Fort, it happened again. Headline college basketball game ends in all-out brawl at handshake line. This was um, Texas A&M Commerce. Did you know there was a school called Texas A&M Commerce? Oh, yeah, I know all about uh, that team. And Incarnate Word, right? And Incarnate Word. Do they have a, is there a rivalry there? Oh, there is now, apparently. Yeah, I guess there was or there is. Uh, so, you know. Same thing that we've seen before here is that the emotions from the game bleed over into the handshake line and there's players on the floor, pileups. Young girl in the crowd was hurt, the broadcasters said during the, during the television broadcast. One of the team managers, blood on his face. And this continues with other incidents Texas basketball coach yells at UCF players over classless postgame celebration. We saw that earlier this year where the coach is yelling at the other team's players for putting up the horn signal, whatever that is. High school basketball player arrested after sucker punching opponent in handshake line. That was a couple of years ago. Memphis guard Jamira shoots uh, charged with assault for allegedly punching a bowling green player. I think that was last year in the women's NIT. I mean, it's just, what are we doing? Auburn softball, this happened. Seen it happen in high school. There was the sucker, I just mentioned that one. The kid arrested for sucker punching somebody. I I, I don't like these handshake lines anyway. 
I've been involved in them as a as a youth sports coach, and all it is 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 some of it is good sportsmanship. It, it a lot of it, maybe even most of it. Most of it is decent sportsmanship, but you also have kids going through the lines, taking wind-up slaps at your hand and things like that. And then if you want to say something, then, of course, you're the problem, right? Things like that. And I've seen incidents there, too. I don't think I've been involved in an incident, so to speak, although there was one kid one year when I was coaching, uh, like, fifth and sixth grade basketball. Some kid takes it was taking wind up slap handshakes at all our players. So I said something to the coach like, "What are you doing? Like, what is she doing?" And of course, again, it was like, "Well, it's my problem, right?" Because um, I think a lot of times these days kids are just, you know, babied, and when there's behavior that's not good, it just goes unaddressed. But this has become ridiculous. Why can't we just have it volunteer-like, like it is, say, in the NBA or in the NFL? You want to go shake somebody's hand? Go shake their hand. I was thinking there's really no uh, – it's not uniform across different sports or even different levels of the same sport, right? Of course, we all know about the NHL after a playoff series. You yeah. have That's a very uh, well-known tradition. But, yeah, it seems kind of inconsistent. And to your point – is it really necessary it's at this not, point? It, it's forced. Here's what I would call it. Forced sportsmanship. And there's no need for it. There's no use for it. You're asking for trouble. I just think to pick up basketball games that I played, millions of them over the years, I wanted to kill people right after the game. And they probably wanted to kill me. That was no time for a handshake. Maybe... You know, if it was right, you say, all right, good game in the end, you know. But basically it was get the, you know, you, you, I don't want to see you after I just battled you like that, maybe in a different space, but two seconds after the game, two seconds after I maybe, you know, if I'm playing in a college basketball game, think I got fouled or two seconds after you elbowed me where nobody saw it behind the play, you're asking for trouble. It's forced sportsmanship. At 412-928-9370. 928-9370. Why can't it just be either a wave to the other team like it was during COVID? What's wrong with that? Good game. See ya. Or if I want to interact with somebody on the other team in a sportsman-like way, I can do it. Or I can't. My choice. What 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 it's I don't understand why this has to be in youth sports. Do they do, they don't do it in high school football, do they? Oh man, I should know this. I I I don't think that they do. Um, at least maybe not forced into doing it. I think sometimes you will see it, but again, sure. it's sort of. But back a formal to what you handshake said. line. You know why basketball? Why why does this happen? Why does it need to? I have seen. I don't know if you've ever encountered this. Um. I was doing a game, I think, earlier this season for basketball where there was a ton of ejections, and it was actually a weird scenario where both benches, every player on the bench got ejected. So the five on the court had to finish the game each way. Right. And they said before the game ended, we're not doing a handshake. 
we're going to our locker room. Other teams go into their locker room because of the hostility that had built up throughout the game. They just said, we're calling yeah. that off, and they made that clear to both teams before the game ended. That's so, what sports can do is build up hostility during a game. At so, least they realized, of, let's not do this because we know what could happen. Right. It's it's sort of built into the genre here, Fort. It's called sports, and when you're actually competing, emotions run very, very, very high. It's why the idiocy of these uh, on-court celebrations get out of control sometimes. And all it takes is one, and someone can be seriously hurt, and they have been in those things. It, it's just, it's just a, a stupid is the best word I can think of. Useless. Yeah, and really. there's so many scenarios where, to your point, especially if the game comes down to the final seconds, one way or another, you're either very happy or you're very angry potentially, and it might you know, kind of boil over just because you have that emotion and the immediacy of you see in basketball games, they start the handshake line two seconds after it's, the final. That's buzzer. the thing. It's so quick. There's not even that like one minute, two minute cooldown period. What's often. the harm in saying, what's the harm in ending it? I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why I can't be volunteer. My kid plays travel volleyball. They shake each other's hands before the game. That I think would actually make more sense. Yeah, I think Wait, the do idea. Wait, they do it after? Now I can't remember if they do it after the game. I know that they go across the net before the game. Yeah, they're for on sure. their side of yeah. the net before the game. Now I can't even remember if they do it after the game. I'm sure years ago they said that's part of sports is that you learn sportsmanship and how to handle losing and things of that nature. But to your point, even if 98% of the time it's done properly and with good. Good well, the people who it. don't seem to be able to handle a lot of the times are the coaches. I mean, you remember Juwan Howard a couple of years ago with an open hand cracked a, a yep. Wisconsin assistant, I think it was. Yep. And then you had this other coach this year for Texas yelling at kids. And come on, if they can't do it, then what? what about the kids? I just don't get it at all. And I, I would end this practice. 928 want to join in. Um. The NHL does it after a playoff series. You know, I get that part. Have we ever seen an incident in an NHL post-playoff line? Maybe. Something's coming to mind here. But I don't know. That feels a little bit different. You know, the battle's completely over then. It's, it's professional sports, so you're allegedly dealing with adults. I think in high school sports, you're taking more of a risk. College sports, more of a risk. I mean, this thing last night was ridiculous. It was just out of control. And there were other times when I was coaching that I should have addressed it. And there were other times, you know, I've been tempted. I've been on the other side of it where you lose to people you really don't want to lose to. And then you have to just sort of suck it up. And you better be in the right state of mind that day and not having a bad day where you can just let the post game you know, thing happen, whether it's medal ceremonies or handshake lines or things like that. But man, you get people in the wrong state having a bad day that gets worse when they lose a game and then it gets ugly or potentially ugly. And that's also really tough for the officials. Sometimes, you know, their job should be done. And then what do they do? Do they go back and try to break up these fights like they would if it happened during the game, it puts them in a kind of a tough and unfortunate spot as well, potentially. Right. I mean, there were, do we have calls coming in, Sean? I mean, there were several times that something could have happened in a post-game handshake line in youth sports that I was involved in. You know, uh, the girls would come back to me and say, this person did that, this person did that. It's just, 
it never seemed to go perfectly. You know? Can we just say good game? No, we can't. We seem to be incapable of this as a society. Losing is another thing. People can't handle losing. Either they were ripped off or they were gypped or you cheated or you're, you know, they, they just don't seem to be able to handle losing. That seems to be a problem. So until we get that one squared away, and I don't think that's going to be anytime soon, then this is again, for the millionth time here, asking for trouble. Let's go to the lines, Sean. All right, we're going to go to Tim, who chimes in. Hey, Tim. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Good. What's up? Well, um, I'd like to chime in here on this topic. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, Joe, but I played all three major sports in we never shook hands, didn't have any desire to. I wasn't a very nice player on the court or on the football field or on a baseball field. So we eliminated that. Now, uh, my basketball coach wanted us to shake hands, but I always walked to the locker room. I figured it was the best thing to do. You know what I mean? That way you're avoiding all confrontation. Yeah. I mean, that, that way the guy that, that part of your almost job, or at least the way that a lot of people handle it, is I'm guarding that guy on Thursday night. I'm going to work myself up into a good hatred of him going into that game, and then I'm going to spill it all out on the court. And then five seconds after the whistle, you know, I'm supposed to shake his hand, like like right then. Most of the time I can handle that. Things go poorly. Maybe that one time I don't. I don't blame you for doing that, for walking um, off. I'll give you an example. I, I, I was guarding a very, very, very good um, player. He was a guard. I was a guard. And he kind of charged me, but I leaned my shoulder into him a little bit, and I broke his nose. Now, do you think I'm going to shake that guy's hand at the end of that uh, confrontation, at the end of the game? No way. Where'd you, where'd you grow up? Virginia. Mm. Well, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Fort? We're going to go to Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Joe. Uh, thank you both for, for taking my call. I appreciate it. It's interesting that you would mention volleyball because, in fact, I just uh, came home yesterday uh, with my son from a, a weekend tournament, and um, they do do the handshakes uh, at the end. They do it at the beginning or at least like a fist bump at the beginning yeah, uh, with the other team and then uh, post game as well. And this is me just speaking to like club volleyball, not so much like high school volleyball. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah. he plays for both club and, and high school. But um, I've always appreciated, of course, the handshake line at the end of, of NHL playoffs games. I, I just find it to be a really kind of a moving experience to see how hard those guys play. And then, you know, afterward the good sportsmanship, but I'll tell you the whole time I was at this tournament, Almost every team that played our guys um, was were, were very. Uh, I don't want to use the word professional because you know these are teenagers, but you know just good sports about things. And the last team we played, uh, there was a lot of trash talking going on from the team that we played. Um, I did not see or observe our team doing that, and I think that you know that in itself. I'm wondering, you know, do we talk about the trash talking that's permitted by the coaches of these teams, where it's very visible, you know, very 
you know, audibly heard by everybody in the, the coach audience. was into it. What was he doing? Was he t- no? He, he he was allowing his team to do it mm. very loudly, and I just felt like you know, I mean, if if you want to have a handshake line at the end, it's actually sincere and authentic. You don't allow your players to do that. Like I know it's a way to get under their you know the other team's skin and, and whatever, but. How is that good sportsmanship? Well, it's almost never sincere and authentic. Sometimes it's right. civil. You know, people keep it right. civil, but you, you it's not, I, I, It's very rarely is it sincere and authentic. But here's the thing. Exactly. In volleyball, I thought they really, really cracked down on that type of thing. I remember we were talking to Rachel Fairbanks from Pitt, and she said that, yeah. you know, they keep that very tight, but apparently at this tournament they didn't, huh? At least not with this team, but I, I do agree with the beforehand shake hands for sure, for sure. But I, I hear what you're saying on the, the you know the afterwards not maybe not so much. So anyhow, I don't know. I just don't get why there's the insistence on it. Like as uh, you're a parent, right. sports parent, I'm a sports parent. What what's the big insistent insistence on it to 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 force sportsmanship on people? Right, and and when the parents in the in the audience are even more mad than the kids that are playing at the end at each other. <laughs> it's probably right. good to not have the kids sit games. So, right. <laughs> I appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's go to uh, a man who wants to be known simply as Coach. Hello, Coach. Hey, Joe. I, 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 hey, Joe, I really appreciate it. I just moved back from the eastern part of the state. And uh, I just, I just, I'm, a, I'm, I agree with you. I coached 24 years in the Whitfield. I never liked it. Had to do it. What uh, sport? I just uh, basketball. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you this: uh, one of the schools that we were playing uh, in Washington County, and they wanted to honor our seniors, and I said no. And the reason being is, first of all, senior night takes up enough time as it is. I'm coming here. To be honest with you, my team's going to knock your brains out. I, I don't want, you know, you want to honor your seniors, that's fine. It's bad enough that during this, I noticed that where their seating was during the JV game, they had students up there, and they were just heckling us like crazy. And I said, well, I'm not going to buy into that and then let the heckling get even louder during honoring our seniors. I, I was the bad guy through the whole thing. But I totally agree with you. I don't like shaking hands. Uh, I'd rather wave, say, hey, go out, or go over and shake the hand of the coach and that because, like I said, you're in a game in the heat of the moment. I got players. Uh, you got a player talking trash with another player, and then, you know, you want to shake hands afterwards. Uh, but I had to do it. Hey, listen, uh, I'm, I'm in favor of looking somebody in the eye and saying good game. I just don't know that in mass that we're capable of that as a society right. if we ever were. We certainly aren't now. People don't take uh, losing very well. I think the no, act of I taking, don't. I think the act of accepting and taking a loss is sportsmanlike in and of itself, and that exactly. belongs with the coach and those players and that team in 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 their own moments. How they how they deal with it. It doesn't have to be falsely demonstrated by forcing people to shake hands with the other team. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I agree. You and, teach and kids I how to control. lose in a, in a different way. Yeah. I had control. My, You know, I grew up around guys like uh, uh, Dick Black from Mont Lebanon and all these guys. They were class acts in the whip bill. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was a volunteer assistant under Ronnie Faust. It, it, Ronnie's going to get mad. I mentioned his name on the radio at Walsh High. 
these guys were all class act, and their players acted with class. Yeah, and, and if, if you give people the choice, and I appreciate the call, if you give people the choice, you can still do it. I'm sure most coaches would probably shake each other's hands. Maybe you go talk to a kid on the other team, great game, you know, really admire. With it. There was a nice moment with Blake Hinson and Tony Bennett the other day. Were you there last week, Sean, when Hinson was on with us, or was that? Uh, I was not. City limits. I think that was city limits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mister P, as I call him. Yeah, I asked Hinson. It looked like you and Bennett had a moment there where he said some nice things, and he said something like, "Yeah, uh, his cousin coached me," or something like that, or a relative of his coached me, and I wanted to say to Coach Bennett, "Hey, you know that guy helped me." I think that's what he told me, something like that. So yeah, I mean, I think. Most people are good. That may be naive of me. Most people are good. Most people are good sports. Uh, I think most people in sports have class, but it's the same thing with anything else in life. It's the few that don't, that ruin it. Plus, I think it's asking a lot, quite frankly, after you've battled your brains out to, to immediately look that same person in the eye and say, you know, good game. One thing- I, I, I think I think it's asking too much to do that with an, with an entire team. It should be your choice to do that. There's some interesting dynamics about this because I see so often coaches before a game, and I'm doing mostly the high school, but sometimes the college level as well, they are as friendly and cordial as can be, and they're exchanging laughs and everything. They'll talk for five minutes before a game. This is, you know, five, ten minutes before, so – they're able to do it then. After the game, they seem like they're not nearly as friendly. Whether the team won or lost, it, it makes a lot of sense to do it before the game, like you said, when you're not in that that mindset exactly. immediately afterwards. Now, I will say, so many players, younger players, watch the NFL or the NBA, and those guys are exchanging jerseys, and you know they just went to battle, and they're able to kind of separate that from being friends off the court after the game and they're getting pictures together. But sure. that's not always the case, especially when you're not already friends choice. with these people. Right, and that's by choice in the NFL. You know? Um, before the game makes a lot more sense to shake hands before the game. And yes, here's the thing. Scoreboards change everything. They change the nature of sports from when kids are young and just enjoying themselves. I mean, I've, I've gone up and down in this as a parent and a coach and all of that good behavior, some bad behavior. Um, and as I look back on it, everything changes the minute the scoreboard goes on because people then feel judged. People then feel like, you know, a lot goes into it then. I'm a winner or I'm a loser. And how do we take that? And how do we treat that? And how do we still make it enjoyable with that? But man, I'll tell you, round third, fourth grade, when that scoreboard went on, things just change. And that's true overall, but that's true on game day too. I think we I mean, all know Belichick people. talks to the, the, the other coach before the Super Bowl did for all those years. You know, but after the game, you know, that, 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 there's been some incidents there, by the way, with NFL coach handshakes after games. But after the game, it's just obviously totally different, right? Didn't it happen with Arthur Smith just this past season, the last yeah. game? <laughs> he was getting into it uh, with the Saints coach. But I think we all know someone who's kind of a jerk during the game, 
And then five minutes afterwards, they're like, you know, I I just get in this zone. Yeah. And they're able to calm down. Well, but five would, minutes is a lot different than five seconds yes, afterwards. I was just going to say that. You know, way different, way different, like any other situation in life. My reaction five seconds after an extremely emotional experience is different than five minutes, 10 minutes or a day. Right. And I know uh, at the high school level, they put in they put in a, um, I guess, a restriction on coaches talking immediately after the games because you were getting some of that raw emotion that they regretted. Right. And they say, let's give them a cool down period. Right. Now, that's kind of gone by the wayside. But the, the idea is the same right afterwards. You're a different person than when you can collect yourself a few minutes later. Well said. Let's take one more call. Fort. We're going to go to Mike. What's up, Mike? Man, I disagree. I really disagree. You sh- <laughs> winning is part of losing, and losing is part of winning, man. I always thought that as a little kid. Oh, we agree you, on that. You, you, the the uh, unfortunate right, okay, part right, is. Listen, listen to where I'm at, man. I yeah. mean, like when I played football and basketball, I pushed it to the limit. I would take it as far as you possibly could. But you know what? Later on in life, when I played softball with these guys, they were like, man, I hated playing against you, but I love playing with you. So you want to win. And I understand that, but you got to be able to lose too. That's all I got. No, no, no. I agree 1,000%. And I'm glad that you were able to behave that way. We as a society can't accept losing anymore for a lot of different reasons. If you lose, something must have been wrong. Somebody cheated you. You know, somebody else's fault, something like that. Great that you were able to comport yourself that way. I think most people probably are. Unfortunately, and especially when we start with the coaches, I can read you the headlines again. Texas basketball coach yells at UCF players over classless postgame celebration. High school basketball player arrested for sucker punching somebody in a handshake line. Memphis guard Jamira shoots charged with assault after punching Bowling Green player. Brawl last night. Jawan Howard hits another assistant coach with an open hand in the handshake line. So obviously, too many people aren't like you. That's the problem. Is he still there? He's gone. (laughs) Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Joe. I think we wound up agreeing. Listen, in, in a perfect world, I wish it was like that guy said. I wish it was. But there's, there's now been way too many uh, incidents, incidents of violence, really. I mean, the worst, uh, uh, you're talking sucker punches, multiple, that happen in these things because, well, obviously, you're in a handshake line. You're not exactly girded for somebody punching you in the face, right? And I don't think it's uh, trending in a positive direction. I think it's going to get worse and worse as we go by the, the, the years. Exactly. Jason Mackey, <clears throat> live from Bradenton. A lot of questions with the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll talk to Mackey next, including what's going to happen with Henry Davis and Paul Skeens? That's my question. How does O'Neill Cruz look so far? Just going through whatever, drills, things like that, batting practice. I'm very curious to hear about that. All right. The agent you choose to sell your home can make a huge difference. That's obvious, right? But you can ask Peggy about that. She just successfully sold her house in Castle Shannon with Gina Giampietro, but things didn't go so well before calling Gina. She'd worked with two agents before Gina. Her home was on the market for two and a half years, no buyers. It left her paying two mortgages. Gina's marketing strategy made a huge difference. 
The GM Petro team always has buyers at the ready. It only took two days on the market for Gina to do what other agents couldn't do in those to give Gina GM Petro a call. I would tell you the same thing. You can't lose. Gina sits down with you. You agree on a price and a deadline. A deadline passes. Home isn't sold. Gina will have it bought and turned into a rental. Call the only agent I would trust if I needed to sell my home in Pittsburgh. Gina GM Petro of Remax Select Realty. Call Gina, 724-602-9752. Google GM Petro of Remax Select Realty and look up GinaWillSellYourHome.com. That's GinaWillSellYourHome.com. Sean Myers. Fort, let's go back out to the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years, all the way down to Bradenton, where we find our friend and yours, Mr. Jason Mackey. Jason, what's the story of the day in Bradenton? Oh, man, uh, a couple different things. Uh, Keep Ryan Hayes talked to us, um, a couple of us here covering it. I thought it was a very interesting session about how much he's learned and kind of being one of the older guys now. There's also a truck behind me that sounds like it's taking off to the moon. Um, you know, I think it's a very important season for Hayes. We were asking him about what happened over the final two months of last year. How much can you sort of pick that up and uh, put it back into this season? So, I mean, that's one thing. Um, probably the most serious day of camp thus far, Joe, where you know, a couple guys throwing live. Mitch Keller has continually looked excellent he threw live today pitchers are certainly way ahead of hitters that's not uncommon for for this time david bednar looked very good um carbon majinski looked very good so yeah i mean those, those are a few of them well i remain fascinated with the o'neill cruz situation what do you see as you look around and watch him in drills at the plate taking ground balls does if i told you nothing had ever happened to him would you say yeah it looks i would that believe way. you yeah i would believe you he looks inhibited in no way and maybe that's why i didn't mention it maybe i should have mentioned it i don't know um i have i'm treating this season for him like last year never happened uh we should probably account for it with motivation i mean he's going to be extremely motivated to prove himself but yeah i mean you the way he moves around you, you couldn't tell um i was watching him take bp today and i just commented to somebody how easy the power looks and it looks exactly the way it should look. Um, you know, they haven't done a lot, so I'm not going to go too crazy. But uh, in a way, I think O'Neill is somewhat of a non-story just because he is, you know, he's going to be there. He's going to play a lot. He's going to, you know, be a consistent part of this offense. Now, I mean, obviously he's a huge story because of how talented he is and what the ceiling is. I mean, I'm, I'm not actually saying it's not a story. I'm just saying that I, I do expect him to be out there and perform and not be limited. Man, the idea of him and the key Brian Hayes we saw for the last three months last year, that's just visions of sugar plums yep. dancing in our heads, isn't it? It is. And, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to be probably wrapped around Brian Reynolds. Um, if Jack Sawinski can develop, if Rowdy Telez can give them something. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be the best offense in the, the National League. Like, I haven't been drinking spiked Kool-Aid down here. Uh, but can it be serviceable? Yes. I do. I mean, I think they can actually have a halfway decent offense. And you go down the line, and what's Andrew McCutcheon going to give them? What's Hank Davis going to give them? I mean, there should, like this team should not stink offensively. As long as they stay healthy, like they should at least be middle of the pack. 
Man, I, I it, yes, if O'Neal Cruz <laughs> hits and becomes a star, and if they get that key Brian Hayes, and then Reynolds, you know, you expect a certain level of performance, not superstar, but you know, well above average, hopefully. And then Sawinski becomes a wild card to me, and then Hank Davis is the biggest wild card of all, no doubt. And he, uh, Joe, I was on with um, Josh Roundtree last night. He was asking me some stuff about Davis, and. You know, I'll add more context with you. I mean, he's just looked so darn good, man. Like, what, offensively or defensively? Both. Both. I mean, the power has been noticeable. But honestly, I guess the bigger development would be him, like what he's doing behind the plate, how confident he looks. It's not tense. In the past, he's been guilty of sort of like over-gripping things. And a result, his receiving suffers, and he's too robotic. That's the, not the way Henry looked. I was actually talking about that with Ford as we were both watching drills. Like, he's moving around well. He's calm. Um, you're throwing to bases. Like, he, I, last year when I watched him, Henry would spike so many throws. I think he, I'm probably just trying too hard. There's no concern about his arm. But he is chilled out. And just every defensive drill they've done down here, he looks like a markedly different catcher than he did last year. My concern for you, as it was for me, is when you're down there, we all get swept up in the Bradenton fever. That's my only concern, Jason, and I hope you're taking oh. medication for that. That's all. <laughs> you know how it goes, though. I've you know what I mean? I, an- no, I mean, I've prefaced a few answers with that, Joe, and I'll add it in here. Like, it's really tough to get a true evaluation on a catcher, too. I mean, he's, you know, he's catching live BPs. He's catching side sessions. He's throwing to bases in a controlled environment. So, yeah, I... And I probably should have gone harder with that with what I said. It's it's absolutely take it with a, a whole, I don't know, shaker of salt, not just a grain. Who's going to be the opening day catcher? I mean. <laughs> Say it, Jason. It's going to be uh, Hank Davis. At this point, it looks like Hank Davis. Yes, you're right. You're right. I think that's the outcome the Pirates would like. Um, you know, let's just put an asterisk there and say it's the first day of the second week or I don't know what day it is every day is Tuesday down here but you know it hasn't been a lot of time <laughs> it's just such but, a I mean, it's such point, a weird story why didn't they use him at catcher last year then I know well I mean he might not have been good enough well when did he get good enough maybe this offseason I mean that's serious Joe I he's so young when it comes to catching I and mean, I'm this isn't like trying to reiterate what the team wants you to believe although it kind of is like he hasn't caught a lot in the minor leagues. And if you go look at numbers and like what Adley Rutschman has done, um, I think I listed Buster Posey, Will Smith, like, you know, some of these guys that are like really highly touted catchers in the past handful of years caught way more than Henry Davis has in the minor leagues. That's a fact. And he also works his tail off. He's, I did a story yesterday about how seriously he has taken being down here more from a team building perspective. But you take somebody like that who is struggling who really wants to be good and has all the physical tools, like why can't he get better in, in an offseason? And it appears he has. Man, I hope so. It's just a very strange story. That's all. Sure. And, and don't you think that Andy Rodriguez is still their long-term catcher? I don't know. I don't know if they know. I, I don't think anybody has their minds made up on – I mean, honestly, Joe, like I, I don't think they know who starts behind the plate opening day. I, I truly believe that. I don't know if they know who starts opening day behind the plate, opening day at second base, opening day at right field. How's Nick Gonzalez um, doing? He's okay. 
I can't say that I've been wowed or uh, made sick by anything he's done. I, I haven't seen him hit much. Defense has been fine. Um, I mean, that's another guy that I, I, I don't know where he fits. Like, in games, he, Jared Triolo, Leover Pagara, or G1 Bay, somebody's going to have to take hold of that position. I don't see how you can split that between certainly not four guys. I mean, even two, I feel like, is going to be kind of difficult. Somebody's going to have to take that and run with it. This is a disaster. Now I'm, depre- <laughs> now I'm depressed about time. the other side of the infield. They took this guy seventh overall. Was that a horrible draft pick, or do we not, do we not know yet? I mean, I, I don't think – it doesn't look great right now. Seventh um, overall. He's 24. Yeah. Hank Davis yeah, is going to be 25. At some point, these I'm, guys got to start producing. Well, I agree, but he's played 30 games in the big leagues, Joe. Yeah, and he I might mean, not start at second base. And people are questioning whether he's even going to be, uh, you know, a viable major league starter, Nick Gonzalez. I don't well, think I mean, it's definitely not too it, early to question that pick. I'm not saying to question it, but no, we haven't reached a definitive conclusion. That's what I'm saying. We can't say that we've reached. You can question it all you want, sure. Um, but, I mean, he's still, what, 25, if that, 24? Yeah, um, to me that's getting up there a little bit when I see some of the other younger guys around baseball. Yeah, I mean, he debuted in his third pro season. Um, it was okay at times, not great at others. Had a lot of success at AAA. Like, I don't think the ship has sailed. Like, I think it's still very much within his grasp to feels like well it's le- feels like it's left the dock to me. Not sailing, <laughs> not sailing You're yet. Already? You're Are they? On that? No, no, no. Not not me punting. Are they? The, the kid's no, going to turn. The kid's going to turn 25 this year. He was drafted no. seventh overall, and he can't nail down a spot. I'm I'm concerned. Are you saying there's not concern about Nick Gonzalez from from inside and outside the organization whether that was a good pick at seven? I mean, define concern, Joe. I mean, that he's not going to pan out. Like they that he's not going to that he's not going to pan out as someone worthy no, of the seventh overall pick. No, I don't think they're thinking that he's going to flop. If that's okay. what you want me to say, I don't. I don't think they have that concern. Now, do they want to see more for him? Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I think he wants to see more from him, but I don't think they're concerned that that pick was a flop. How about Edward Cabrera? These things get heated, don't they, Fort? Fort is in there behind the glass, Jason. He's liking I've, it's this good, one. It's good talk radio. I like it. We had a, a conversation with Jonathan Bomboli earlier about a runaway kangaroo in Florida. Have you seen that thing yet? What? Bomboli gets the runaway kangaroo and I get your angry pirate cake? What is this crap? <laughs> Give me a kangaroo, Starkey. We have a better relationship than this. He said, he said the kangaroo squares up like a boxer when he's confronted. Can you imagine boxing a kangaroo? Jason, what's I, your first I, I, move? I said kick him right in the nuts. Ooh. Surprise yeah, the kangaroo low. with a human kick. He doesn't think we can kick. You're right, Joe. It might be tough to get within striking distance, too, like like punching-wise. Like, I right. don't know if I could totally square off with a kangaroo. So, a, cook, a, a kick is a good move. What about a tackle? Would May- you go low and try to take it off its feet? Maybe. that's the other, They have little I, legs, that, though, that, don't that's they? That's what I was thinking. Like, you know, drive a shoulder into it and take it to the ground, and then I can... Or somehow use the pa- use the pouch against him, right? That seems to be his fatal flaws. He has a pouch and we don't, right? I wish I had a pouch. That'd be nice. <laughs> you could keep your computer in there on planes, right? You wouldn't have to check it or anything like that. 
I could do all kinds of things with a pouch, Joe. Just imagine the possibilities of one of those things. Endless. They're absolutely endless. Jason Mackey is in Bradenton fan Twitter. <laughs> brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Where does the Edward Cabrera thing stand? Are the Pirates going to lose out to the Brewers on a first baseman, a catcher, and a pitcher? Oh, gosh. Yeah, let's not do that. Um, I mean, it, it, it remains in the negotiatory stages. I'm going to make up a word intentionally, but no, like I still think there's it, it can happen. It's uh, being negotiated. It's a possibility. I don't think the ship has sailed. I think the Pirates very much want to get a starting pitcher. I think there's some uh, a little bit of a game of chicken being played here, what the Marlins want the Pirates to give up, what the Pirates want to give up. I, you know, as I understand talks here, Joe, and this is, you know, with the Marlins, period, like I, there's interest in both sides in, in coming together on something. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, it's going to be slow or, you know, fast process or, or an easy process. But, yeah, I, I still think it comes together. I'm a little surprised it hasn't yet to this point um, that fits with the rest of the shape of the offseason. But I think the Marlins can, if they give up Edward Cabrera, stand to get some stuff back from the Pirates that the Pirates are willing to part with, meaning like younger players, prospects, pitchers, whatever. And the Pirates scratch an itch by getting a guy that, you know, would, would fit a more prominent spot in their rotation. So, yes, active. Um, I still think it's happening. I just got a an email from Sportsnet Pittsburgh. Um and I'm trying to decipher whether this means there's any changes. So you tell me. No, you want me to want me to tell you? I, I, I'm aware. Yeah. Is there any changes? Um, some. Yeah, some additions, enhancements, or whatever. Um, as people, I've reported basically everything that was in the email, other than Alex Presley being a part of the uh, pregame, postgame studio setup. But Rob King will be back in studio. Um, Hannah Mears, Latrobe native, Penn State graduate. She's done some stuff for the Pens and Pirates on social takes over for Robbie. Uh, we know Robbie wasn't coming back um, or wasn't being brought back, I should say. Um, Brown and Block, the same. In-game analysts, the same. Um, Stephen Brault, a part of the pre I'm really excited for that. I did that story in the winter meetings in Nashville. I think Brault's going to be fantastic on there, man. I really do. I mean, he's – I don't need to tell anybody about his personality, but the work he's put in is really cool. Um, I think that's it. Uh, it'll kind of be like the Penguins where – like Haley Hunter and Dan Potash, they kind of flip a little bit. One will do the reporting, one will be in the studio. I think yeah. that'll kind of be the same with Dan. and, and Dan, uh, Dan Potash left Ron Cook's retirement party without warning. It was unbelievable. So if he, he just is, is snuck he, out the back. Yeah, is he down there? Is he, is he in Bradenton right now? Potash yeah. or Ron? Po- well, no. we know Ron's in Florida, but not Bradenton. No, I think Ron, uh, Potash is not here. Michael McHenry is here, though. I, I will... Love that Let guy. Let you know. Oh, is he unbelievable? Oh, is he great? He, he's flexing at me right now and pointing at me like Hulk Hogan from the parking yeah. lot. <laughs> so we have Brown and Block, and then uh, as as analysts, we have Walk, Wainer, Young, Caps, Walker, and then uh, Potash, Haley, Hunter as the sideline reporters, and then Rob King in studio, and then the studio analysts include McHenry, Brault, Mercer, Presley, Young, Caps, and Walker. Are they taking every living former pirate and putting them in there? What's happening yep. here, Jason? <laughs> I mean, it's going to operate a lot like the Penguins games. Oh, I guess it's more than Trottier, Jay, Colby, Bartkowski uh, might be missing one or two. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of smaller additions. I think um, Young, Caps, and um, who's the third one listed there? 
There's what Walker. Mercer. Going to be fairly regular. Yeah, I mean those are. I mean you got an hour of pre and post with two people in those seats. So is Brault going to sing? Will Brault sing at any point? That's what I I'm interested in. Yes. I bet he does. I'm I'm interested, Joe, and I don't know this for a fact. This is just me knowing Stephen and knowing what he can do and what he wants to do. I want to see him host. I want to see him host. I want to see them put him for games, like have him do play-by-play and relieve Who? Brown and Block. Who's that? I mean, that's his goal. Uh, Brault. Oh, Brault, yeah. Brault. Yeah, I he like all the... He to be a typical color analyst. He wants to be a play-by-play guy. Like the, the, and it has practiced this stuff, such. He's the vocal performance major. Like, he knows his way around that stuff, and it's, it'll be interesting to see if he can handle it. I like it. I like, in fact, I've thought of this show moving forward. What would it be like to have roving uh, you know, guests in studio all the time? Perhaps you could even be one of them. They're not going to leave it up to me, um, right. but, but that's just an idea that I have is do people want to hear the same two people every single day, or would it be more fun to have a revolving guest list where people, you know, it's Tuesdays with – Jason Mackey. It's Thursdays with the big boy, Mark Caballi. It's Friday, yep. Fridays with Mike DeFabo. You know, things like that. I don't Joe, know. I, it's just things I think about, but I don't mind having that many. Joe, I would love doing radio. I do love doing radio with you. I think your mind is brilliant and fantastic. With my new, with, with my new role, I would love to hook up with you for an afternoon and talk a little bit. I don't. I what do you mean? Do What's your new role? Columnist. He's, are, he's the new Ron Cook, I believe, isn't he? You are? How do I not yeah. know that? Was an e- Did an email know. come out? Yes, you missed it. I haven't looked at my work. I don't look at work email except for once every month. Well, congratulations, not- man. When did this happen? <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Um, I don't know, last week, a couple days ago, something. They all blend together here. It's been well, out for a little bit. Who's covering it, the Pirates the then? Week. Uh, I can't say that publicly yet. Andrew, Andrew will remain. Destiny's um, child. And, is he going to do it? Yeah. Destiny's child will be there. Um, <laughs> in the great. other half of the team, I, I am allowing him to announce it on his own terms. So you will hear from him shortly. Can you send me destiny's child, destiny child's number? I want to get him on the air. Well, what are you going to do? Why are you still there? Why aren't you back here? Why aren't you covering the penguins? <laughs> I am. So the switch flips on April 1st. For now, I am the Pirates beat writer. I am going to finish spring training, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to move into the columnist role vacated by one Mr. Ron Cook. Holy horse milk. Well, Ron never let – when I came in, um, Ron, you know, he's, he was very stubborn to his credit, but he's very stubborn, so he wouldn't give up days. So I was stuck on Thursday. I write for Wednesday and Thursday. Like back-to-back days, which never made any sense to me. Have they told you your days yet? Are we going to argue about these? Can I buy a day off you? Like guys buy these numbers off people when they join a new team? Can I bribe you into a new day? Joe, I've looked up to you for the entirety of my career. You write on what days you want, brother, and you tell me what days you want me to write. I'm not worried about that. We'll we'll work it out. You can have whatever days you like, and, and we'll be just fine. How about this, Fort? Is this guy magnanimous or what? I just wonder, is he going to start doing some things that Ron did? Like, is he going to wear like that Sports <laughs> Illustrated XXL sweater around all the time? What, what's he going to do? That's We're going to get you some Aliquippa pullovers, and you are going to write. Uh, you're going to write columns as Ron did. That's what you have to do here. Hey, I have one other question, Jason. Yep. Uh, this interesting little story, and by the way, congratulations, legitimately. That's fantastic. Thanks, man. Um, 
Tony Clark and the union don't like these new uniforms, apparently, that are yep. going around baseball. These Nike uniforms, like, when do they wear them? When will they wear them? And what's the problem? They look they look horrible. The little they tiny like the little tiny lettering. It looks like it looks like they're going back down toward like American Legion ball. What's happening here? I know they're bad. Um, so they're they've been wearing them down here whenever guys throw live. That's just sort of baseball custom. Like a pitcher will throw, you know, his live BP at Pirate City and put on a full uniform. Um, even side sessions down here. So. I mean, they're going to wear those uniforms, at least as I understand it. Like that's the font for the uniforms this season. That's that. If they don't change anything, like these things stink. Always well. Okay, okay. I was prefacing it with that. Even Rob Manfred had admitted, like when we move in this direction, a lot of times there's not. It's not perfect. So I don't think they're staying this way. I don't think it can stay this way. They're universally hated. People laugh at them. They look goofy, and MLB knows it. I don't I mean they have to be able to correct this by the start of the season. They have to. I, I understand it'll be like lost money or whatever, but I mean I agree with you. They look they look ridiculous and all involved understand how ridiculous it looks. Thank you, Jason. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> that was a good That was a good little session with Dr. Mackey. How did I not know that he's the new columnist around town? I knew it. I guess the other columnist for the paper didn't. Well, now you know. I had heard rumors that that would happen. This is absolutely incranculent, isn't he it? He even said in his tweet, uh, he what mentioned tweet? Ron Cook. Jason Mackey put a tweet out, and oh. he mentioned Ron Cook. So big shoes to fill, certainly, there. All right. Uh, fan text line, as I said. Listen, uh, the next segment here, I'm going to try to do one. This is either going to be the last edition of Text in the City or it's going to take off, that one or the other. It's not up to me. It's up to you if you're listening. Sean, my friend Fort Myers here, is the only producer so far who knows how to run it. When I envisioned this, it seemed like the easiest thing in the world to run. You compile the best texts of the day. When we get to texts in the city, you say, Bill from Oakmont text, and then you read his text. Yet I have uh, Nelly in here yesterday. It all went to hell. And then I had city limits, didn't know what was happening. Donnie Football came in last week and acted like I handed him a physics problem. Read a text. And, and so the segment sucks so far. We'll salvage it today, I think. No, there's no salvaging. It needs to be good. It needs to be great. It's up to you. Sean is going to read your text, the best ones next. Give a hot take, 412-928-9370. No questions either. No questions, no anonymous text. Just give a hot take with your name. Joe from Green Tree. The Pirates got to keep Henry Davis. What are they doing here? They screwed up with Nick Gonzalez too, maybe. Or or instead of maybe. I don't know, something. Just send us a text. And I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is the watershed moment for text in the city. Either it runs good today and we keep it every day at, uh, as, as the last segment or it's done. Okay. A lot of pressure on the listeners right now. A lot of pressure on me, a lot of pressure on you and the listeners. Name, take, text. 412-928-9370. Social media's biggest loser, Malsey, brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Reserve your consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. And I want to tell you about the NBA, which I'll be watching tonight. I'll be watching Lakers, who are, I think, going to have a big de facto second half here. And Warriors. Don't count out either one of those teams, by the way. 
You got some of these young hotshot teams in the West. You're going to have to still get by LeBron and AD and Curry and Draymond and the rapidly emerging Jonathan Kaminga. But anyway, get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Quick bets, live, same-game parlays, your favorite NBA players and teams, all kinds of things. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Starkey and shoot your shot. 21-plus, present in Pennsylvania. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the day, either the last day for text in the city or the launching of a new era. It's completely up to you and Fort Myers. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge, Route 19, Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. What's cooking? brought to you by your local Geico rep, Tim Hester. Thank you, Mr. Hester. Very kindly brought to you by Mr. Reuter as well. Call 412-Reuter2. Thank you, Mr. Reuter. Very, very kindly. All right, Fort, I'm feeling some pressure here. You're going to read the texts from real listeners. You and I are going to rank them from 1 to 10. It couldn't be more simpler unless it's not, which it hasn't been all week or last week. So let's give this a shot. This is from a real listener named Andrew. He yeah. says, Jeff Carter stinks. The third and fourth lines are a joke. Go out and get someone like Tom Wilson or a big physical presence. Otherwise, you're punning on the season. Very well written. Passionate. A funny line to begin. I'm going to give that a 9.5. Six and a half because saying go do something isn't that easy necessarily. But I, I like... I like where he's headed with that, and I like anytime you can insult a player like Jeff Carter, go for it. Well, I will say this about Carter. I think he's been better than I thought he'd be this year. That's like a he low hasn't, bar. He, I know, but he hasn't been the problem. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think we discussed there's way bigger problems. Malkin not using Carlson to his full potential, the power play. You could go. Would you take Tom Wilson in a first-round pick for Jake Gensel? I don't know the contract situation for Wilson, but off the top of my head, I would say yes, because they're not going to make a deep run with the team currently constructed. They need to try something different. I'm glad you asked, Sean. Don't call me Seth Myers. Tom Wilson's contract is right before me. He signed a six-year... Let me see here. What is going on here? Uh, it looks like his average cap hit is six and a half for basically forever. He's on the Ryan Graves plan. Yeah, I'd do it in a second. Yeah, Go I ahead. Would. All right, this is from Jay from Plum. He said, hockey needs to get rid of the current playoff system, which is just stupid. Go back to the way it was, seeding one through eight in both conferences. Very well said. A little bit dry. I'll give it a seven, and I, I agree with him. There's nothing stupider than, first of all, the hockey standings. Like the average person, they're like, wait, what's OTL? What's RO? What's SO? What's it? My God. Wins, losses, and, and, and something else is all we need here, or should. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's that hot of a take, but I completely agree with it. So bonus points there, seven and a half. Quick question. If it's not that hot of a take, why did you choose it? I thought it was a point that needed to be 
conveyed because I agree with it. So I'm just, you know, picking things that I agree with. I'm just asking for I'm not insulting. I'm just hey, at asking. least I'm able to read these. unlike some of the, my <laughs> predecessors. That is very true. You've proven you can read. Let's continue. All right. I think you might like this. It's NBA. Mike and Greentree says Steph versus Sabrina was by far the best all-star weekend event this year. I love that. A quick take on a hot topic. I thought it was awesome. I don't know what the hell Kenny Smith was talking about as he was analyzing it. Reggie Miller called him out right when he said it, too. Those two almost got into it, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, he's like, Sabrina should have done the the closer line. Now, she was using the woman's basketball, which is a little smaller, but she shot the lights out to start it, and I thought it was great, great theater. She had the same score as what all of the men shooters in their competition had to set the bar in the first round. So she would have been able to get to the finals by getting the 26 that she got against Steph. I mean, uh, people just want to rip everything. Did you see what uh, Jay Williams said about Who's the player for Iowa that I can't think of? Caitlin right Clark. Now. Yeah. I did not. What did he say? He said in order to truly be considered great, she has to win a title. What? She scored 8 million points. Like, have you seen the team around her? Is and she Dan, got to the championship and, and just lost to a juggernaut team in LSU. Is Dan Marino great? Is Barry Sanders great? Charles Barkley great? Dick Butkus? Well, what? What are we talking about here? Anyway, this is going well. I think I just jinxed it. I give that one, by the way. Did I give it a number yet? You did not. Seven. Yeah, I'll I'll give it six and a half. I think it was kind of obvious that 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 was because the slam dunk has lost its appeal, no doubt. I know, but but some people, the slam dunk contest stinks. All he did was raise an interesting topic discussion. He probably only had a second to text, and I really appreciate that he did that. Yeah, hopefully he wasn't driving. No, 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 no. Don't do any of that. Yes. If you're, you know, you got to be pulled over or something. Go ahead. All right. This is from Marlon Perkins from Mm. Omaha. Sounds fishy, but go ahead. I'm late to this topic, but a kangaroo can punch with 275 pounds of force and can deliver a kick with 759 pounds of force. Work the body, Joe. That's a 10. That's a 10. There was a kangaroo discovered on the loose hopping around a pool in Tampa, Florida. I don't know. Did they use one of those elephant guns to tame the thing? I was talking with Bumboli earlier today about how you go about squaring off with the kangaroo. And apparently they like to fight boxing style, but it sounds more UCF with the kicking, right? Yeah, that's that's a lot of pounds of force, I feel like. Well, they could kill you, quite obviously. And they have a lot of latent anger. They don't show it. They're rather happy-go-lucky your average kangaroo but underneath they're seething i don't know it's about their plight in life nobody ever thinks about kangaroos they lost in kangaroo court perhaps you like that horse they're very angry which is why i think if i squared off with one and i couldn't run away because i think they're also fast even though they're hopping they're like race walkers in the olympics they don't look like they're going fast but they're fast they would never expect a human to open with a kick They think they're the champion kicker. So what I would do with the kangaroo if he started to square off with me was immediately launch a secret kick right into his testicles. And if that didn't end the fight, then I'm probably dead. Right. And again, we're hoping that it's a male kangaroo because this plan kind of falters, if not. Hoping. Yeah. One more? Or is that it? Yeah, we can go one more. No, let's not. You know what? I think think we... (laughs) 
I think we saved Tex in the city. Ending is is Donnie top. in there? He tried to ruin it last week. No, he Donnie's sat- nowhere to be found. He's no. probably still trying to figure out how it works. Uh, I thought it was great today, and it's going to be a daily feature, text in the city. Thank you for making it so, Fort Myers. Are you in here tomorrow? No. No, I'll be here Friday, though. City Limits in tomorrow? He's in the next two days, yep. He's always a challenge, isn't he? Yeah, he's a little rough around the edges sometimes. Great job today, my friend. You're supposed to say thank you. Thank you, Joe. Great job as well. And now it feels forced that you said that. Uh, Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Warmer and sunny today, a high of 50. For Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. It's time to say good night. Good night. Good night. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.